Bearcat Bounce Podcast, back at it again. That's right. As always, I am Brent Young. Joined alongside two guys, two fellas, who have taken in year one of the West Miller tenure, who have currently been diving headfirst into spring football practice. And of course, as always, they bring you as much as possible here on Bearcat Journal. That's right. It's time for the Bearcat Bounce Podcast, presented by Danco Transmission. That means I got to bring in my putties, my pals, Aaron Smith and Chad Breno. Aaron, Chad, guys, how are we? Doing well. Doing well. It was another nice day after this stupid last snowstorm, hopefully, of the season. So uh, keep that warm weather coming, man. Warm weather. Spring is here. Chad, how are we? I'm so mad at the Reds. Yeah. So mad at the Reds. Mm. But what can you do? I was actually uh, when the when the Winker stuff went down, I was on the phone uh, talking some transfer portal with with one of my contacts, and they were like, "What's the deal with Winker?" And I'm like, "What do you mean? What's the deal with Winker?" He's like, "Oh, I'm look. You're not on the internet right now, are you?" I was like, "No, son of a." I'm just mad. I'm mad. But we'll be yeah. talking plenty of Reds baseball tomorrow on PTP. I can promise you that. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, here's the thing people don't understand with the Reds. Like, with UC, like, I'm I'm in the middle of covering the teams. So right. while there's emotional investment, it's different. Mm-hmm. The Reds are the one thing I'm, like, a fan of. Like, just the, you know, I, I've been a Reds fan my whole life. Like, I, you know, the 90 World Series was right in the middle of my childhood. It makes me so mad, but whatever. I'll get over it. I'll get over it. I, I need. I needed. I need somebody to pump me up. Yes, you do. Don't you, do. you know? Don't you know? You pump it up. But here's the clue. But you know what? If you're watching live here on YouTube, or you're gonna be watching later on YouTube, you already know who who's the uh, the fourth leg here on this lion of a BBP broadcast is, and that means it's a uh, no further ado before we. We bring in none other than one of the coach, six foot two, great coach extraordinaire, Brady Collins. Brady, gentlemen, how are we? Doing great, boys. Always a pleasure to be back. Um, I know it's been, what, a week or two, two weeks, something like that? Two but, weeks, uh, yeah. I see there's a quote here from uh, our, our guy, Edward, here. It says, Brady, want to buy a baseball team? My answer to that is no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what that baseball team probably needs to do? They they probably need to to get some, you know, check their oil, get their oil changed. They probably need to, That's right. need to go. Oh, and, that go baseball and, team needs work under the hood. Look they under the hood. They need some work under, under the hood. hood. A whole you know, new engine. Dan Co. Transmission, guys. If they spend over a hundred dollars, they're gonna get fifty-six dollars off. Fifty-six dollars off. That, that's more, more than, than half. half. That's that's. I think that's the third highest payer on the Brett's payroll. That's how much he's making a year. Did you see that stat? Ken Griffey Jr. is like the sixth highest paid Red right now at three point nine million dollars a year. I, I did see that. Disgusting. Good for Griffey, man. Good for Griffey. 
I, I waited on him in a radio shack one time. Oh, there we go. Nice. Kid keeps winning. Yeah. Kid Good story. <laughs> he walked. It was. It was like eight o'clock in the morning. We had just opened. I was in the. I was. I managed a radio shack before I got back into broadcasting, Brady. So I'm back in the office doing paperwork. Usually nobody really comes in at eight. I hear the doorbell ding. I look up and I'm like, "Is that?" <laughs> so I walk out and I'm like, "Hey, uh, how can I help you?" And he turns around and sure as shit, Ken Griffey Jr. They were. Um, he was he was op- like he had bought like an office space downtown and they were fitting it with all the computers and all that stuff so he could watch tape and whatnot and what have you. And he was uh he was in buying like parts to connect computers to TVs. He was in like six times that day. Uh the the only other one I ever had business, man. Yeah. Could did you make commission? Oh yeah, I mean, well, not no. I was a manager. I, oh, there we go. That was the worst mistake I ever made going from sales <laughs> to management. I made a crap ton of money in sales at, at Radio Shack. They put me in a management. It's like I was working the first ten years of Bearcat Journal all over again. <laughs> um, the only other like uh, great, like surprising experience I ever had at Radio Shack. I was filling in in the Carew Tower downtown. There used to be a Radio Shack in there. And we were packed, like lying all the way down the, the store. And all of a sudden, I hear this high-pitched voice at the counter. Look up, Tony Gwynn. Same thing. He was buying stuff for his video, you know, so he could watch watch tape. R.I.P. too, right? Isn't Tony Gwynn? He passed, right? I, I'll have to check that out. I helped Vontes Perfect at... Uh, I think he did. I think yeah, he did. I think he did. Yeah. I helped Vontes Perfect at... Uh, Verizon. Oh, nice. Hold him a cell phone. There you go. Be better if it was like I, I, you know, was with Vontez when he was at some random club, you know, that offers <laughs> other things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he passed away in 2014. Yeah, that's sad. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, I do too. R.I.P. Yeah. All right. I, let's get moving. I, I didn't want to get into this that long too. enough. Yeah, I, know. I was gonna say I don't even want to get into all the people I've I, I've waited tables on. I I went the uh, <laughs> the waiter route, the old the old service industry. I, oh, Ron Jeremy, I waited at Ron Jeremy table. One I mean time. that's case case closed. Nobody can top that. <laughs> you can't you can't beat that, Brent. You can't beat that. And he and looked was... exactly like you would expect Ron Jeremy to look. <laughs> I, I was I was waiting tables at a place that's right next to like the uh, the Hilton, the the airport Hilton, and he came in one night. It was like 10 minutes before closing. So that looks an awful lot like Ron Jeremy. And then a couple people came in with him. And I was like, that is absolutely Ron Jeremy. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Rock solid pick. Rock solid pick. <laughs> no innuendo. No, no, none, none. Well, let's let's break it down. Speaking of, you know, time off and uh, other jobs outside of what, what we're doing here and now. And Brady, you've got some time off. So fill me in. How are how was that first week? Just kind of wrap up the first week. Just just highlights. We're gonna dive into it deeper. And what you got plans for this week off? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think Chad obviously did a great job with the practice notes. I think, you know, it kind of gives you, you know, yeah, hands on. Uh, you know, almost feeling like you're right there on the sidelines reading into it. From my perspective, I think the the, the best thing to see, and that I'm most proud of, is that like. The intensity, the focus, the tempo, it's its the same as it has been the past four years. And, uh, you know, obviously our first year, it, we had to build to that. But 
you know, you got a lot of new faces in some areas and you got guys that have played a little bit that, you know, now we're counting on to be the guy. And, uh, you know, you got a nice little shuffle up front on the O-line because, you know, Mets and Renfro are still, um, I mean, they could, they could be doing some stuff right now, but it's like, Hey, we're all good. You don't need to be getting a lot of reps right now. So it's allowing a lot of guys to get a lot of reps, play a lot of football, get better. And, uh, a lot of the coaching staff to kind of see some different things, but, you know, for, for the first four practices, I would say, you know, very, very impressive. Um, love the way the team's coming together. Again, that's what's so awesome about this time of the year. You know, the winter, your team is reborn every single year, no matter who's back, no matter who left. Um, so it's fun building that. And then you get into spring ball, which is everything. Football is everything. Um, so that, you know, those guys are running around, playing the game, communicating, doing what they have to do. And uh, it's just going to be really exciting to see the progression as we continue on throughout this spring and uh, kind of reset and then reload and hit, hit the ground running for the summer and uh, into training camp in the season. But uh, it has, it's, it's been a, it's been a great start and, you know, the guys are enjoying a nice little break here uh, as we're on spring break and, you know, myself, yep, I'm on spring break, which, you know, for me is time off, but it's not, my head's kind of always going and checking in on guys, talking with guys, but, uh, you know, it's great. Kind of like I was saying earlier, I got to wake up with the kids today, take my daughter to school, take my son into work, uh, train a few guys. and uh, Got to be a dad. Got to be a dad, man. You know, which I pride myself on trying to be the best dad I can whenever I'm home. But, I mean, no doubt it's different when you're here all day. And no doubt it's a lot more stressful. <laughs> I tell you what. Um, still give props to my wife every single day. Hello. But, uh, you know, it's it's been great. It's been a great start. And, uh you know, we're going to come back and be nice and refreshed and ease our way back into it and hit the ground running and continue to take this place to where we want it to be. So I got to go to the first practice that you had of the spring time here. But uh, outdoors practice. The yes, nice one. It, yes. it was the most perfect day Beautiful. that you could even ask for. Yes. Uh, so one of the players that stood out to me as a guy that looks like he's put on some weight was Jaheim. So. What have you been doing or, or what have you noticed different about him as you've come out of last season? And uh, like I said, he just looks thicker all around. Yeah. You know, Jaheim was a guy when he first got to us, you know, he was about, you know, 212, something like that. And, uh, you know, put on good weight, got to 225, got to 230, 235. And just looking at him and his frame and, you know, his genetic makeup and just what we want him to be. Um, you knew there was room for growth and, you know, he is quote unquote, you know, replacing or playing the spot that Beavers occupied the year before. And we all know Beavers was a specimen of a human being, um, you know, played at 260, went to the senior bowl at 252, uh, was at the combine at 237 today. He was about 240 when he weighed in, um, you know, so again, you just, you kind of look at, you know, guys frames and their body and their makeup and what they can be and, you know, for me, I'm always going to push it, see see what guys can get to. And with Jaheim, the whole offseason was, hey, man, you got to be 242. Like, let's get to 242. And there would be days he'd peak 245, 246, you know, 240, 238. But uh, he's been doing a really great job of holding 242. And, uh, again, you know, it's such a misconception out there in the world. But when you put on lean mass, you're faster, you're stronger, you're more explosive. And, you know, a guy like Jaheim, who – has paid his dues and done really well throughout his time here, early time. 
played special teams, provided value, learned in a great room, uh, learned under two great coaches, and now is really starting to kind of, you know, make a name for himself. I think he's just beginning to scratch the uh, surface of his potential, and I think it's going to be a, a great spring and uh, a great summer and a great training camp, and then I think he's going to be a guy that's really going to burst out onto the seams. So Jaheim is is a project that you're kind of taking that step with, kind of like a like Maje was back in the past, and obviously Maje has been put under under a microscope a little bit over the last few weeks. I just want to kind of hear your thoughts, just kind of off, off that. We we talked about it before here on the BBP and, and throughout other places, just kind of how that's just his genetic makeup for the most part. But kind of touch on that and then touch on kind of another player possibly on the roster that you see is one of those that kind of comes in at a little weight. And you kind of see, hey, sure, they might project at this, but I think they can easily pack on at 40 pounds or something crazy like that and reach a level of play that Maje was reaching or at least try and reach that level. Yeah, no, I mean – um, you know, you talk about Maje. I mean, again, I, the the day that you know he was at the combine, he weighed two twenty eight. I mean, I saw it right on Twitter. I think Chad told me, and like my heart like dropped. And it was funny because like literally after Chad told me, like five minutes later, I get a text from Maje. He's like, Coach, man, I'm sick. He's like, I've been fighting this bug for past week or so. He's like, it's bullshit, but I'm gonna get it back. And I'm like, dude, all you can do now is focus on what you got to focus on. You know, be who you are. Go out there, dominate. The rest will take care of itself. Don't worry about it. And, uh, again, throughout our time, obviously, we've seen Maje's weight, you know, fluctuate and do all that stuff. But, uh, you know, I've seen him at his prime. I've seen him in the 250s. You know, he played all last year, no lo- no lighter than 242. So, um, to see him get that weight back, to see him finally be healthy, um, I think it's going to be a great pro day for him. I know it's going to be kind of one of those things where, you know, NFL people are like, hey, I, you know, senior bowl, you were this weight and then you're here and then now you're back up here. But as long as he's honest, I think it's going to take care of itself. And again, the tape speaks for itself. The kid can play football. Um, he's a great young man, a huge heart, and he's going to give you everything he's got. Whoever drafts him is going to be lucky. And, uh, you know, whether you want him to be a, a rush edge, whether you want him to be a stand up outside linebacker, he's going to do it. But uh, and probably both and probably right. both. Um, you know, for me, it's kind of, it's always that fun, you know, kind of, um, science experience or experiment. And then just also like, who do I really need to kind of dig my teeth in? Who do I really need to put with this guy? And, you know, this guy needs to rub off on him and he needs to do, you know, the, the program and the, um, the kind of upbringing that I did with Amaje, with an Ahmad, with certain guys. And, uh, you know, it, it's not like you individualize that because it's it's the whole team. Everybody's always developing and finding different ways to enhance themselves. But, um, you know, I look at a guy like a Jaden Thompson, I mean, a guy that came into us 100 and, you know, like 50-some pounds, and all of a sudden now he's up to 180, and the goal is going to be 190, 195. I mean, imagine what that's going to do to him. I mean, it's only going to give him more confidence. It's going to make him stronger, going to make him faster, um, you know, and – you just kind of look around the whole room. I mean, it, it even happens with big guys. Big guys come in a little bit heavy. You know, I'm, I, I still to this day remember when Duke came in and he was 315. And you're like, oh, man, this is great. But his 315 wasn't the right 315. So we had to change it and shred him and all that stuff. But, um, you know, it's just it's it's been a good mix this, this winter of certain guys that we needed to do that with. Um, I mean, you know, just case in point, you know, guys like uh, Trey Tucker who's the epitome of our program. 
I mean, four to six, A to B, tough as shit, does everything right, you know, is an unbelievable leader. Um, you know, the big thing with him last year was like, hey, let's get to 175, see what that does. Oh, that made him faster, made him stronger. And then this offseason, I was like, hey, let's get to 180. Let's see what that does. He gets to 180. What happens? Tyler Scott gets to 180. Okay, now what's that do? Drew Donnelly gets to 180. Now Jaden Thompson's going, yeah, I'm 180, but I'm also four inches taller than all you guys. I'm going to get to 190, 190 plus. And so, you know, it's just always fun. It's competitive, but uh, it's always at the best interest of our of our kids and, uh, you know, maximizing them to be the best. So last year you spoke glowingly about probably your, your favorite kid on the team, even though you're not allowed to say that word, Kobe Bryant. And just how much you were going to miss him. Have you seen any of these young guys trying to step up into that role as your little protege, if you will, or anybody trying to take on that, that type of leadership or that type of just I'm Brady's guy. I mean, you, you never want anybody to be, you know, quote unquote, my guy, because my guy is everybody. My guy is everybody, you know, that represents this program the right way. Uh, the name on the front, the name on the back. And uh, just does everything right. I mean, that's that's what we're all about. But, you know, I'd be lying to you if I said we as coaches, the weight room, the football field, life in general doesn't play favorites. Of course, it's going to favor those that do everything right, that maximize themselves, that grind and, you know, stay extra, stay late, do all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, we never want guys to try to fill the void of a Kobe Bryant, an Ahmad Gardner, a Des Ritter. Big shoes. Um, big shoes. But we want them to understand that the standard that they set and the legacy that they're leaving behind will not be forgotten. And so when they step up into that position, they're going to enhance it. Well, how do you enhance it? Well, okay, I'm I'm Todd Bumpus. Okay. Yeah, I'm not Kobe Bryant. I'm Todd Bumpus. But here's what I'm going to do. I learned all these things from Kobe Bryant. Now I'm going to put it to my tool tool chest. I'm going to be who I am. I'm going to enhance who I am. Now I'm going to go be who I am. I'm going to put on my best foot forward and all that stuff. So, you know, it, it, it's been exciting. It's still relatively, you know, early for all that. Um, like I said, that's why the winter's so great. Your team is born. You go through spring ball. You find a hell of a lot about your team. And then you reassess. You attack the summer. And then you go into training camp. Um, but, you know, like I said, I, I just mentioned his name. If there's, you know, epitome of who we are as a program, I mean, Trey Tucker's, he's right there. You know, the Josh Wiley's, the Lenny Taylor's, the Dylan O'Quinn's, the Jabari Taylor's. Um, I mean, those guys just, they do everything that you say. They do everything right. They get great um, in, in uh, academics. They live the right way. Um, you know, that's that's what we care about more than anything. There were a, a few names throughout winter workouts that kind of we, we touched on a few times. Um, and, and I want to see just kind of how, in your eyes, their workout numbers and, and what they were doing in the weight room, how it has reflected so far out on the field just through one week of practice. And, you know, first at the top of that list has to be Shimon Mateo. And, I mean, he's he's been a guy that's been mentioned numerous times on practice reports, numerous times on the bounce, just, just kind of all over the place. And then continue with other players, like a, like a Jack Dingle has continuously seen his name pop up. Leroy Bowers is another player that's continuously seen his name pop up. It's kind of these younger guys that – Anted up in the weight room, kind of how it's reflected so far out on the field. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you look at a guy like Shaman, you know, he came in, he was a former wide receiver in high school, and he gets to us, and you're like, man, this kid's a lot bigger than a wide receiver. 
And, uh, you know, obviously he's playing tight end. He's in a great room with great dudes. I mean, Josh Wiley, Lenny Taylor. And uh, so, you know, he's kind of, you know, learning. He's sitting back. He's, he's going through scout team. Uh, he's getting his ass beat every day, but he's also getting better. And, uh, you know, and then, you, you know, you reassess. He did a great job in the, in the weight room as a true freshman through the in-season, all that stuff. You get to the off-season, and he attacks everything. Um, you know, he's training with Lenny Taylor every single day. So that's great because Lenny's with him. He mix him up and put him with other coaches, see how he does. But, you know, with, uh, with Josh being limited this spring, what does that do? It, it, it elevates a guy like Shimon, you know, I mean, Lenny's getting his work. He's doing what he has to do, but it's also allowing guys like Shimon to see what he can really handle. And I think the more that he keeps getting coached on, the more that he gets, you know, keeps getting experienced and thrown into his natural athletic ability is taking over. He's a great football player, but he's also a great, you know, person in general. And, uh, you know, changing his body, putting on lean mass, making him more faster and explosive. Obviously that's helping him, but at the end of the day, he's the one that's doing it. So, you know, but kudos to those guys in that tight end room. It's been really cool to see. Um, you know, I, I told, I told Josh the other day, Said you better get back out there, bro. Shimon's <laughs> <laughs> well, coming for your spot. He said, he said, easy now. Yeah. He's learning from the best. And I said, yeah, Lenny's taking him under his wing. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is, I mean, and again, you know, we, we're all blessed. We know what Josh is. We know what he can yeah. be. But also at the same time, I think everybody should be excited for what they're about to see with Josh because. You know, him and I have had a lot of talks, and uh, for him to be fully healthy, for him to hold a 250-pound weight, and for him to to really, you know, look at this year as, hey, this is my last year. Because last year, that was like the big thing with him. He, he was kind of like, oh, it could be my last year. It could not be. So everything that he did wasn't kind of like, you know, all in as this is it for me. This is, you know, I got to leave this legacy. I got to do this. I got to do that. And, uh you know, I think that's what's going to be really interesting this year with a guy like Lenny and with Gino taking over and, uh, you know, really maximizing what Lenny does well, what Josh does well, and not just making them, you know, the same. I think it's going to be really, really valuable and really powerful for what we're about to do. And uh, I'm excited for it. But, uh, again, like you said, I mean, no doubt, Lenny's all over Shimon, Wiley's all over Shimon, and uh, – you know, when those guys do leave a year from now, Shimon's going to be in a good place, and it's going to be even more of a challenge for us to get him there. And um, But, again, kudos to him. I wrote, as you know, I wrote the other day, I, I get a feeling I'm going to write something about Shimon Mateer every day because it doesn't look like through four practices he's a guy that's going to – that has any intent on having a day, like a, a down day. Yeah. Or a day that, that he doesn't – go out there and do something that makes you go the, the move he put who was that on he put a move on somebody in space day three that was Dingle. like Dingle. 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 yeah it's like whoa. that that that's a big fella hitting the juke button hard <laughs> like you know like it, they got sensitive like yeah. touch sensitive and the harder you hit it the harder you would juke and shaman gave him Gave him the shimmy shake and it's like, holy crap. 
I would say the most impressive thing about Shaman, besides, yes, what he does, you know, when he's running routes and catches a ball and puts his head down and it doesn't matter if you even try to take him out, he's going to just run you over, is his blocking. And it showed up the last practice that we had. You know, he went in motion and then came back and cracked on the outside. Not cracked, but just down block kick out on a blitzing Jaheen. And you want to talk about just the loudest hit you've ever heard in your life. And those two big bodies, I mean, the 255-pound guy and a 242 guy colliding. And, like, it wasn't like one guy got the best of the other. It was just like a boom. And it was just – it was impressive. Um, but I think that's, you know, that's kind of like what we pride ourselves on more than anything is, yeah, when you got the ball in your hands, you better do what you got to do. But when you don't, you know, what are you really doing? And for a guy like Shaman to be really, um, you know, taking advantage of of the blocking and, you know, doing everything he can to make sure that he solidifies that because let's face it, if you can't block, you can't play. And uh, that was, that was really cool to see. Brent, did you have any other names that you wanted to ask about? I know you said you had a list of names, but I just, just two others, just Jack Dingle. Go ahead. Go ahead. He's seen himself on a couple of, uh, of the reports and whatnot. And then Leroy Bowers has kind of been a, been a hot name as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, with a guy like Jack, um, I mean, he's a legacy, right? His dad bled here back in the day. Great linebacker for uh, the Bearcats. Obviously, you got Jacob Dingle, who's been kicking ass for us for the past couple of years. And, uh, you know, you get a, a specimen of a human being in like Jack, who's, you know, six, two and a half, six, three. And he comes in 225 pounds and you just like, all right, this kid's going to get big. Um, so this whole offseason, you know, very similar to Jaheim. Hey man, let's get you to as close to two forty as you can. Let's see. Let's see how big we can get you to where you're still moving fast and you're explosive and all that stuff. Right. And he is. He is. You know, taking that and and then some. I mean, he's all about it in the weight room. He wants it all. He you know he feeds off it. Um, but then what's been really cool to see is his growth on the field, because you know I know the coaches are asking a lot of them. Hey, learn Mike. Learn Will. Learn this. Learn that. And uh, you know, I think he's doing a great job. I think uh, every single day he's getting better. And, uh, you know, whether he's a backup and a special teams guy or whatever it may be, he's going to be the future of what we do here. And uh, been really, really pleased with him. Um, the other guy, Leroy, I mean, whoo boy. Since day one, that guy has known one thing and one thing only, and that was full go. And, uh, you know, last, last year he was at, uh, you know, the outside linebacker sniper position or whatever it is. And uh, obviously you look this year and there's a lot of guys there. I mean, you got Ty Van Fossen, you got Deshaun Pace, a lot of guys that play really good football. So when you look at someone that just goes hard every single play and, you know, provides value and just has that it factor to them, you got to find a way to get them on the field. And kudos to the coaching staff because, you know, they're like, hey, let's try them out at nickel. And what's that, what's that, you know, what that has done for our defense and for our program it's made us better because it evolves your defense. It evolves what you're trying to do on certain downs and blitzes and all that stuff. And I think a guy like Leroy, he's just taking it in every single day. He's getting better. He's always, always so coachable. Um, like I said, he goes so hard. He's fighting for reps. I mean, literally fighting for reps. And uh, that's awesome because, you know, one way or the other, that kid's going to be on the field. Got to love that. 
Um, there was an obvious number change that I noticed the first day of practice. So I'm curious how that conversation goes. Is it the coaches approaching one Trey Tucker or is it Trey Tucker approaching the coaches to say, I want number one? I mean, uh, I think number changes are always, you know, the players that obviously they want to change a number. They present it to the coach. And obviously, you know, if Coach Fix like, yeah, absolutely, you've earned this, like, cool. Or we use it as an incentive, you know, hey, you have a great spring, you get great academics, then yes, we'll bump you to this number. Um, when it comes to the number one, you know, you just look in the past at the guys that have worn the number one here, you know, Wiggins, Ahmad, and now Trey Tucker. Again, those guys are the epitome of what we do. They grind in the weight room, they get great um, – reports and academics they represent the university uh the right way they represent the name on the back and the front all that kind of stuff and uh you know with a guy like trey tucker moving the number one i mean that's that's easy man that's easy sounds eerily similar to an answer you had a couple questions ago <laughs> <laughs> good old trey tucker well well so trey tucker obviously you've got to be able to get the ball in his hands i just want to know kind of just from your standpoint how do you think both Ben and Evan have looked just on the field. Obviously, you mentioned they were putting in a lot of work in the weight room and, and, and such and workouts leading up to practice. Yeah, I mean, again, I think the greatest thing that a lot of people don't realize is Ben had a year with Evan, you know? So, like, those guys know each other. They have a great relationship. They have a bond. And, uh, you know, they worked out together in a workout group with me, with Des. So, it's like, you know – what I always try to do is make sure that that quarterback, I mean, the, all the eyes are always going to be on the quarterback, especially on the field, off the field, in the weight room. And if, you know, if I'm so-and-so and I look over there and I see the quarterback kind of doing something different or not training as hard as I am, I'm going to be like, well, you know, what? And that's not the way we do things here. Um, so that's been great to see. Um, but honestly, I think, I think it's been awesome. I mean, I really do. I mean, that's not me trying to say one or the other. Um, I'm really proud of both of them. Um, you know, Ben came back very humbled, very, you know, just happy to be back. You know, again, did great things at Eastern Michigan for that one year he was gone. But obviously is so excited to be back. Um, he's back home, um, you know, training the way he should be training, all that kind of stuff. But what, what has that done? It's only made It's only made Evan better. I mean, it really has. Because Evan is a, a specimen of a human being. He's a great young man. He's got all the potential in the world. And what brings out the best in a person? Competition. So, you know, when I, when I stand back and I evaluate everything, I've been just so pleased with both of them. I mean, really, you see a different Ben Bryant than I did, you know, two years ago when he was here. Right. I see a different Evan Prater than I did a couple months ago when Des was here. And why is that? It's because iron sharpens iron. They're both pushing each other. They're both uh, helping each other. They're loving, loving each other up. Um, but it is, it's been, it's been really cool to see. And that, I mean, I know it's coach speak and all that stuff. It makes our team better. I mean, it really does. Like if Ben wasn't here and Evan was, you know, getting all the reps and not a knock on Brady Lichtenberg, a guy that's a great young player and all that stuff, but you know, is Evan really getting pushed to his maximum potential? Right. Maybe. Yeah. But now that you got a guy like Ben here, 
no doubt it's pushing him even more and it's pushing Ben even more. And, uh, you know, it's been really cool to see. They both have had, you know, great days and, um, you know, everybody's feeding off of them again for us. And then I know it sounds like coach speak, but you're talking about two great young men that just, I mean, if you want a quarterback at any program with any style that you're running, how could you go wrong with Ben Bryant or Evan Prater? Like, you know, so, um, really excited to see that competition continue out through the summer and, uh, training camp. And, you know, I mean, it's a blessing and a curse, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, just like when we had Des Ritter and Ben Bryant, just like last year when we had Des Ritter and Evan Prater, like, you know, Mm -hmm. and you got to have that as a program, you have to have that. Well, go ahead. Um, so there's some new coaches on the staff. Uh, Obviously, you've worked with Coach Combs in the past, and I'm sure you had a pretty good idea as to what he brought to the table at this point. But what's it been like with him here now with this particular team? And what has it been like working now with uh, Walt and Coach Cummings? I mean, I think Coach Combs coming right now at any time. It's it's a I mean, it's unbelievable. I love Coach Combs. Uh you know, one of, one of the best coaches I've ever had the privilege of working with in all of my years of coaching. Um, you know, I'd put him, here's Coach Fick, here's Coach Combs. And, uh, you know, I think our guys are really feeding off him. They're really buying into everything that he's doing and he's uh, coaching and preaching and all that stuff. Again, number one thing that's, that speaks out about Coach Combs is relationships, right? Yeah. I mean, the guy is going to give you every single fiber of his human Orpus, like he is that's just who he is and he's going to make you better he's going to challenge you he's going to motivate you but he's going to make you better and uh you know even more so than than my you know past five years here i sat in on special teams meetings well, why is that because he he gets me going like i want to be around him even more and uh he's in there every morning in the weight room and uh you know it's just it's it's been awesome i know our dbs are really really taking to them and, you know, getting better. And it's been, uh, it's been a great, you know, early start to see, and I can't wait to see how it progresses through the spring. Uh, coach Walt, I mean, what a come up, right? You know, guy gets hired as outside linebackers coach. Coach Scruggs takes an NFL job. Boom, you get pumped up the D-line coach. Okay. Well, then you put a little cherry on top. You're the D-line coach or your alma mater. How's that going for you? Right. I mean, so, you know, all of a sudden you get a coach that comes back, you know, he's already got so much juice and knowledge and expertise and all that stuff because he's back home where he played. Okay, now you throw another one on top because now he's coaching the position that he played. So that's been really cool to see. I think our guys are really feeding off him, and that's just going to continue to enhance. You know, Coach Cummings, oh, boy, let me tell you. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. The the night and day difference I can see in our O-line guys. I mean – and that's not a knock on Coach Crook. I love Coach right. Crook. Unbelievable. Right. But just, you know, the intensity, the the purpose, the the leverage, and just, you know, the physicality that I can see in the first four practices of our O-line, whew, it's, it, it's exciting. And, uh, you know, it's really making all those guys up front better. And uh, like I said, with all these coaches, it's going to be – it's going to just be a great, you know uh, – thing to witness throughout this spring and then as we go into summer and and i wanted to i wanted to add from a couple questions back uh and i don't know brady probably won't want to comment on this but 
to your friend Jeff, Aaron, let Jeff know, I don't think Trey Tucker is going to be the only number one on the Bearcats roster when the season starts. I've heard some rumblings of another number one. I'm not going to give up the details on who. But I think there might be somebody somebody in black wearing number one, maybe. Just a little nugget there. And who would that be? Do you want me to say? I don't want to ruin it for him. I don't want to take away his shine. You're not going to ruin it for anybody. Well, well, give us a hint. How about like high school or position? And you'll let people kind of just break it down themselves. How about this? Does his name rhyme with lace? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe I could see that. I could see that one. Yeah, I could see that one. Just too. I'm just saying. I know Jeff was worried because like he wants a defense. Like that's a defense thing. That's how it started with with Wig and with with Sauce. He wants somebody on defense rocking number one. I think he's going to be okay <laughs> when the season kicks off because there'll be a number one out there on the Black Cats defense. That's just what I just. Okay. Some rumblings I've heard. Some some through the grapevine things that you know. Okay. This person I also heard played through an injury. Probably I don't know how he got it out playing through a cotton bowl. Oh. Probably, probably, because, that. probably because he's an animal. Yeah. Yeah, like he Rhymes he plays legs. through something that's keeping him out this spring. That uh, it's an impressive feat to. Uh, to be on the field and playing with the injury he had. So uh, not as impressive. It's not that impressive. No, <laughs> it's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive. You no. know, it is many of guys have done it before. <laughs> I'm playing hurt right now, but anyway. Yeah. But none of them have done it against Alabama, Brady. <laughs> that is a good point. Fair That's point. a good point. I wanted um, to, uh, no, to your yeah. innuendos there. Uh, I could see that. I could see that. Now, granted, he's going to have to have great academic spring, uh-huh. great summer. He's got to earn it. You know, he's got to earn it. And I think if anybody could, that could that kid would. I mean, and I know one person that, you know, should be the number one on defense if you wanted to do that, but will never change his number. Shout out my guy, Arquan Bush, who's the freak of all freaks. Yeah. Um, just uh, He's been everywhere. Slot, boundaries, he field. No, like and, he's uh, been all over. I think uh, I think I don't even talk about Arquan enough. And uh, I really want to make take sure take Arquan for granted, for sure. I, yeah. I, I don't, but you know. No, but I mean in general. In like, general, he, yes, because, you know, you look at a guy like Arquan. I mean, just think about the, the Peach Bowl in 2020. Yep. Ahmad has back spasms, can't go. Okay, what's Ahmad do? Mm-hmm. I got boundary. All right, he steps up. What's he do? Shuts down. Locks down that side of the field. Okay. And then he comes back. This year, obviously, we're blessed. we got Kobe Ahmad. He plays nickel. He's the best nickel corner in the country. This offseason, what's he say? You know what? I got you guys. I'm going to play boundary. Okay. So, um, but that is, that's exciting. And uh, I appreciate that little nugget there because I will use that as well for my motivation. It's You know, it, it is interesting to think where Arquan would be as far as just notoriety if there wasn't Kobe and Sauce playing yeah. with him for the past two seasons or, you know, three seasons for what it's worth. But, yeah, so, I mean, I've always loved Bush. Bush Bush was playing through an injury 
throughout the first half of his career, right? Oh, I mean, he's always dealt with a foot issue and, uh, you know, that big toe that he has. And, you know, he got he got it worked on this offseason and um, been doing really, really well this this spring and this offseason and all that stuff. And uh, again, kid that is just the ultimate competitor. Um, you know, he's going to he's going to do whatever is asked of him, whatever is called upon. And he's a, he's a tremendous leader. And, uh, you know, again, this, yeah, Kobe, Ahmad, all those guys, let's face it. We wouldn't be here too, as well, without a guy like Arquan Bush. Right. Right. So I, I want to dive a little bit further into the offensive line. Uh, you know, obviously the, the mention is continuously a, a program built within the trenches. So you, we've already touched on Cummings. What are some, some names that have kind of stuck out, you know, that you've kind of seen flash just in the first few practices and then also touch on, Dertanian Tinsley, I think he's one of the players that we haven't really mentioned so far since he's come over as a transfer. Yeah, I mean, I think I said it kind of, you know, just briefly. Um, you just look across the board. I think every single old lineman that we have, whether they're a returning starter, a scholarship guy, a freshman, a walk-on, they've gotten better. And, uh, you know, as the number one guy that stands out to me right now, um, I would say is James Tunsil. You know, a guy that got to us last year and all that stuff, but uh, just, you know, taking the coaching of Coach Cummings, taking a full year under his belt, you know, really embracing the culture and the brotherhood of our program and uh, enhancing who he is. Um, another guy that really stands out is uh, is Gavin Gerhardt, you know, with Jake Renfro getting his postseason uh, rehab taken care of. Um, you know, he's been called upon to take the first team reps at center when really he's probably a guard, but he's doing a great job at center, doing a great job leading and, you know, getting better at what it is that he's doing. Um, but again, just across the board, all those guys are doing really well and it makes me excited. You know, Cam Jones is trimming weight, getting back down to, you know, where he should be to perform at a high level, um, Mets is rehabbing, getting back to where he will be to kick ass next next fall. And uh, you, you add a guy like, you know, D'Artagnan Tinsley, a great addition, you know, great kid with great power, um, came in the right way, very humble, very quiet, worked his ass off, you know, embraced the culture and the brotherhood and all that stuff and is really starting to kind of, you know, scratch the surface of his potential. Um, you know, so it's uh, it's been exciting, man. I mean, it really has. Uh you know, the new faces with uh, Luke Dalton, who just got here this offseason. No doubt. I mean, his eyes are still as big as can be because <laughs> everything's new to him and exciting and hard and challenging. But, you know, you just every single day you see them getting better. And, I mean, ultimately, that's what you want. You know, you, you just want guys getting better. And uh, been very pleased, very impressed with the, uh, the O-line production. A new guy we also haven't talked about a whole lot since he's been here, who I would contest might have the best hair on the team. I also think that his hair makes him look a bit like a dragon is Ivan Pace. Uh, what have, what have you seen out of Ivan thus far? Uh, I know we've talked a little bit about, he was going to be some, some fun for you in the weight room. Uh, but what have you seen both in the weight room now that you've had a couple weeks under your belt with him and also on the field? I mean, Ivan is explosive, you know I mean? He's yeah, he's, you know, a little more compact, um, uh, but he is, he's, he's twitchy, he's explosive, he's strong, uh, he's fast, 
and uh, I think he's been a great addition. Again, came in, you know, very quiet, very humble, kind of feeling everything out. I'm sure a lot of this stuff ain't what he did at Miami. I mean, I know a lot of it is. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think he kind of had a, a general idea of what to expect. Granted, his brother and, you know, he knows a lot of the guys on the team and all that stuff. But uh, he's done a great job. I mean, he really has. I mean, he's a guy that if he messes something up or he does something the wrong way and we got to fix him on it, it'll never happen again, you know, because he, he's not used to it. And that's okay. Like, that's that's our job. That's the kid's job. That's the culture. And uh, I think he's done a great job and he's gotten better throughout the whole off season. And uh, you're really starting to see him show up out there on the field. I mean, he's got some shit to him now. I mean, he flies, flies into the A gap, the B gap, the C gap, uh, you know, when he's, you know, dropping into coverage and someone crosses his eye, he's going to hit you. And uh, that only makes everybody better. And I think uh, he's going to provide a, a tremendous amount of value to our program. Pretty interesting seeing some of those sets we talked about uh, with Jaheim potentially, you know, playing as a, a rush end. And then all of a sudden you got Jaheim and Ivan on the field at the same time with Huber or, or with one of the the dollars and then Pacer Van Fossen. And all, you're like, oh, okay, now. And then you have Bowers in the nickel and you're starting to see this, this versatility that's been recruited. Some wrinkles. That, that, that this defense is just like, ooh, Mike Tressel's like, oh, I, I got this chess piece and I got this chess piece and I can, this one plays like that, that one, it looks like this one and this one's a queen and can do everything. Like it's, a, I'm having fun watching the defense because you're starting to see like, it's like, it's like Fick and, and Tress and Hitch and those guys all got, got in the lab and like started cooking up crazy creations of things that might work. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, and you know, even from my standpoint, I mean, I sit back there and I'm looking and then all of a sudden this defense comes out and I'm like, wait a second, what, 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 what is that? Right. You know? <laughs> and uh, I mean, again, kudos to, to our, I mean, that's, that's why they are who they are. That's why they're so good. That's why the defense here has and will continue to be elite. Like you're going to put the best players on the field in the best position to do what they got to do. And, uh, you know, the other day you look out there and you're basically got like a three, four hybrid, you know, yeah. you're like, all right, there's Jaheim, there's uh Huber, there's pace and there's time Van Fossen and pace would be there. And, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then all of a sudden, yeah, you got Leroy and Arquan and Todd and, okay, oh yeah. Okay. I like what we're doing here. And, uh, you know, again, you said it. Yeah. Mad scientists. I mean, I think uh, more than anything, I think defense is kind of that way. You know, I mean, offense, you got your 5-0 line, right? Mm -hmm. You got your wide outs, whatever you're going to do. Your two back, your one back, two tight end, one tight end, whatever you want to do. When it comes to defense, man, all you're trying to do is disrupt the offense. Give them a different look. And ultimately put your best players in the best position to do what it is they got to do. Defend the offense that you're facing. Um, take away what they do best. And then also – threaten them, you know, go hit somebody. And I think, <laughs> I think when I look out there and I see all those guys, I'm just like, yes, 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 yes. So, you know, keep it going coaches. I love it. And uh, I'll keep doing my job in the weight room. Let's go win some games. <laughs> it's a fun, like I, like I said, from weeks before the start of spring practice, 
and and it and it's playing out in so many different ways. Like, and, and we've only been through four of them. <laughs> Such a fun thing to go out there every day and go, what am I going to see today? Yeah. And, and and this isn't to take away from anything from the last two years, three years, especially the last two years. But like, we already had that with all these guys. We already had that first spring where it was like, okay, what can they do? How are they going to be used? Yeah. Okay. And then for the next 24 months, we knew, okay, that's how this guy is used. That's what this guy does. That's what this guy does. Yeah. And now, ooh, ooh, I like that. I like that. What's that? Yeah. Where did that come from? <laughs> Who's this guy? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a blast. It is. It is. And, uh, you know, again, I think that's just more, I mean, yes, coaching and all that stuff, but it's a, it's a testament to our guys because, you know, yeah, we know, yeah, base 335 or whatever it is. Okay. But when it comes down to it, we're going to put our best players out there that we need to do to do what it is that we have to do to win the game. And that might be four down linemen. That might be three. That might be three linebackers. That might be four. Might be five DBs. Might be four. Might be three. And, uh, you know, again, the versatility, the way our coaching staff has recruited, um, it just – it gives you – uh, you know, an endless amount of options to do what it is that we have to do. And uh, I think more so than ever, that's going to cause some fits this year because like you just said, I mean, for the past two years, yeah, this is what we got. These are the guys that are there. They, yeah, they're blah, 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 blah. Now you don't know what's going to happen. And uh, I'm excited. Well, similar to Arquan, I feel like Hicks is another player that kind of relatively flies under the radar. He's gonna, He's going to be one of the top three veteran players on that defense is how's he looked so far this past week. Is he taking that next step of a leadership role and kind of raised up whatever other sidekick he's going to have in the backside with him next year? No, he, he has. I mean, from my standpoint, I've been really impressed with Javon Hicks this whole off season. Um, I think he's really taken a huge step in his leadership. Um, you know, making sure that, He's owning his room, that his room of the safeties is, you know, kind of filtering into the corners. And again, you got a guy like Urquan back still that manages the corners and all that stuff. But, you know, Hixie has played a lot of ball here. And, uh, you know, again, even when I talk to Hicks, he's still scratching the potential of his surface. And, uh, you know, there's fine things that we got to do as coaches to make sure we maximize him and put himself in the best position next year to, you know, do what it is he has to do. But I've been really, really pleased with him. And, uh, you know, that's, it's probably one of the biggest challenges and motivations for, for me as a guy like a Hicksy, like, all right, what are you going to do this year? That's different than last. What are you going to do this year? That's different than the year before. Like you got to be different. You got to do this. You got to do that because football is going to take care of itself, but all these other things are going to entail in it, you know, whether it's communication with the other safety, you're going to have a new safety next to you that you've never played with. Right. And I know you're doing it in spring and all that stuff. You're going to have two new corners you never played with. Yeah. You played with our but you got all these other guys. And uh, so that's been very, very um, crucial this off season. And I've uh, been really proud of him. You know, he is a guy that, like you said, yeah, I mean, he's been here. He's played a lot of ball and he's kind of a guy you don't talk about as much, but he is such a focal point of what it is that we're doing. So 
Everybody who listens to this podcast regularly knows I'm a pretty big Blue Smith stan. And Blue Smith has strung together a couple practices for the first time in, in a long time. And is he doing anything different? Uh, what have you seen out of Blue Smith that, that has, is he finally out of his own head? Because uh, I feel like maybe that was him getting in his own way to get on the field. I feel like when he has like something. He's healthy. Maybe that's it too. But I, I just feel like when I've seen him on the field, he just gets frustrated if something goes wrong. And then he kind of takes himself out the, for the rest of practice. So what, what's he doing different that he's being able to, to string these practices together? Uh, I mean, you know, just not a knock on him, but he's always done well in practices, you know, and he's always done well in the spring. Um, you know, Donley hurt his back last week, but he's fine now. So he'll be back fully. So that, you know, kind of provided an open slot for him to get a little more reps here and there. But, uh, you know, for him, I think it's just consistency. And I think it's, you know, true competitiveness. Like, do you really want to be great all the time? Or do you just want to flash and practice here or there? Because when you get your chance in a game, are you going to maximize? Or are you just going to kind of do whatever it takes? You know? And uh, so I think that the book is still open on him. I mean, he just like every single person in this program, you get to write how your story ends, you know? We got all these people here to help you. We're going to push you. We're going to motivate you. We're going to love you up. We're going to be hard on you. But, you know, at the end of the day, you make ultimately what, what happens. You you decide that. So, sure. um, but been, been pleased with them as we are every spring and, you know, training camp and all those things. But when it really comes down to it, you know, are you going to perform? Are you really going to do everything you got to do on the field and off the field? Um, but, uh, but it is. I mean, he. I mean, let's face it. He's. He, if Trey Tucker had his body, oh boy, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, six four and two hundred and fifteen pounds. I mean, woo. But uh, you know, all that stuff. That's the God given, and that's what we pride ourselves on. Is you know, we pride ourselves on getting our guys to play above their God given abilities. That sounds a little crazy, right? But it isn't because it's not about me. It's about we. And everything that you do is a butterfly effect, right? It's not, all right, yeah, I'm going to run this route. If I catch the ball, awesome. And then I'm going to take care of it. Okay, if I don't catch the ball, what am I going to do? If it's a run play, am I blocking downfield? Am I doing what I have to do every single rep, you know? So um, it's a constant thing that we got to evolve and continue to enhance all of our guys. So tell me more. It's, uh, it's, it's hitting this break time. What's, what's, what's your plan now? Are, are you, like you said, you're constantly thinking, are you mapping out things that you want to see when the players do get back on campus and when you do get back out on the field or, or, or what's something that you're hoping to see when that, when you guys do get back out and, and have the next practice? Uh, I mean, for me, it's, you know, just take care of the guys as they come back, you know, get them re back into uh, football, um, you know, flush their bodies get them a good workout, get them prepped so that we hit the ground running full speed for practice. Um, so that there's not, you know, that day where it's like, Oh, we just came off a long break and our bodies are getting back at none. No, no, we don't want any of that. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, personally just kind of take a step back, you know, assess everything, assess myself personally, um, assess my staff and just how we do things. I mean, again, I know what we do works. I know what we do is great. 
but you always want to enhance what you do. You don't want to do everything the same. Um, so just kind of looking at that, um, you know, get, get myself some, some R and R in a way when mm. really that's really hard for me because I love working. I love being around the guys, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, you just, just kinda, went to Mexico. I was going to say, you just, exactly. On, you just that's got back. <laughs> that's why we're not going anywhere this week. <laughs> a staycation. Um, a staycation, you know, but just, just kind of making sure everything's, you know, lined up the way we needed to and uh, gearing up for, you know, a great finish to the spring, you know, maximizing every single day, not wasting a day. Greatness never takes a day off. It never compromises. And, uh, you know, reassessing at the end and then building a great plan for the summer. And uh, again, not copy and pasting what we did last summer or the year before, but tweaking and enhancing it and uh, making sure we're, you know, maximizing every single person on this team to put them in the best position that they can to go continue to win a lot of games and championships here. Did, did you notice Notre Dame with the uh, bounce house uh, day right before the start of spring practice? Did, did you see that? Did I notice that? <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something. I learned long ago, imitation is the best form of flattery. Oh. You know? Speaking so of copy and pasting, know, yeah. I know for sure because I worked for the head strength coach at Notre Dame back in the day at Mississippi state. I know what he's about. He's not about that kind of stuff. So I know where that influence of, Hey, let's, you know, have some fun. Let's do a bounce. I know where that came from. Okay. And, uh, you know, do his initials rhyme with something that you would call someone uh, if you were very mad at them. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> But MF. Uh, oh, sure, 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 yes. Um, you know, again, hey, kudos to them. You're right. You know what I'm saying? Hey, here's 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 the way I look at it. Do we have them on our schedule next year? No. Did we have them on our schedule last year? Yeah. What was that result? Oh yeah, we beat them. Okay, I'm good. Um, and uh, do whatever you want. Exactly. You know what? Hey, it's all good. You could, Brent, you could never try eat to, another you W on replicate. camera again. You can try to replicate what we do. You can try to, uh, you know, copy image. You can try to make pump it up your song and claim whatever, that you didn't steal right? it. Whatever you want to try to do that was done here. Whatever. Guess what? You'll never be us. And uh, that's what I pride myself on. My staff, all of us. Um, you know, again, there's there's a thousand ways you can work out. There's a thousand ways you can bench and do this and do that. When it comes down to it, you'll never do it the way we do it and how we do it, but more importantly, why we do it. Imitation is the greatest form of flattery, right? Boom. He just said that. I'm just right saying. There. He's he's repeating it. It's That's worth, worth saying, he worth saying copy again. and pasted it. And, and copy the, and pasted it. I was also the, copy and pasting banners as we were doing that for the The, the phrase is actually the sincerest form of flattery. All right. Well, therefore, we are very sincere that they are... And speaking of sincere, that kid looks good. He does. He does. That's a guy. I thought he was like a like a DB body. The kid's got some 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 junk in the trunk, thick. If he with does. a couple C's, if you will. He does. He's only going to continue to get bigger and faster and stronger. And uh, he's a good kid. He's a great kid. Reminds me a lot of uh, Malik Harrison. Okay. 
I, I, I continue to just be blown away by what kids look like when they get here now, as opposed to what kids look like when they used to get here. Yes. JQ. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What Thank factory you. did they clone him in? Thank you, coaches staff. Thank you. Right? <laughs> Brady all of a sudden, like Brady Brady used to be the kid at Christmas that got like the 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 like the recycled toys. And then all of a sudden he's like you know, he started getting some new toys at Christmas, like the good ones. He's like That's right. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Just a couple tweaks here and there. <laughs> but what what'd you think of Ethan Green winning his state title? In That's the right. uh, it, what 280, 285? Yeah, no, how about this coach? Did you see the video? Did you see the coach in the suit catch him? Unbelievable, the unbelievable. The Hold awesome. on, let me you guys talk for a second, I'll pull that up. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, Brady, there was a question in the chat here. Uh, how have you changed over the course of the last five years? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think uh, when I look back at our first year here, I think uh, I think I, I and I think Coach can attest to this as well. Like Coach Fick, like you know, there's just so much that you're trying to do, so much that you're trying to install and just change. But uh, you got to be true to yourself. And I think uh, you know sometimes maybe we lost who we are, you know, just personally. But again, you're just trying to change so much a culture and all that stuff. But uh, how I've changed in the past five years, I mean, you know, you're always evolving. Uh, you know, the game is evolving. Granted, it's still the same. You got to score more points than the other team to win and all that stuff. But just uh, the way you motivate, um, you know, the way you challenge certain people and cultivate and inspire certain guys. You know, yeah, the the old test of time stands true, but it's still going to change, and you got to adapt with that. Um, but I just think, uh, I think in my past five years, you know, I've I've gotten better. Whether it's you know my my uh, strength staff that I have around me, whether it's the players that we have, uh, the coaches, but uh, ultimately, you know, just um, you know, every single year, like kind of like I said in the winter, when your team is reborn you know, you're kind of reborn as a coach and uh, you never want to copy and paste what you did. You always want to enhance and make tweaks and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, just always improving. Here you go. You're ready, Brady. I'm ready. Show it. Look at that. <laughs> That's a big boy to catch like that. It's jumpy, but the actual video on Twitter is uh, pretty smooth when he just catches him. Is that better? It's gone now. I like it. Either way, I like it. All good. All good. Whatever. Well, he's going to be a jump on my screen. But uh, he's, he's, a catch, one to mold. he's he's what six seven two eighty five. That's a lot to catch. Yeah, that's For a now. lot to catch. For now, the guy that caught him kind of looked like Blake Yeager. A little bit. <laughs> Did he have a beard? Yeah, he was. He was like six five and had a beard, so he looked like Blake Yeager. Might have there been. We him. Go. Might have you been. got a couple questions for Brady? Let's get him out of here. We've had him on here yep. for too long. A couple already. questions. Oh, a couple questions in the mailbag for you. Um, 
I'd be interested in Brady talking about how Evan compares to Desmond height, weight, speed, quickness, strength. It's a good question right there. Um, height. I mean, yeah, he's, he's right there. Uh, minus his hair that he has, you know, <laughs> uh, weight. He's a little bit lighter. You know, Des was always, you know, plus 200 all the time. Um, after his first, you know, couple years with us, um, Evan is a hard gainer, you know, hard to really maintain that 200 plus pounds. So we really got to continue to enhance that and work with him on that. But uh, when it comes to, you know, speed and quickness and strength, I mean, you know, Des obviously had all of that, you know, I mean, Des was one of those freaky guys that, yeah, he was long and skinny, you know, 207 to 215, but yet he could still squat like, you know, four or five easy for reps. Whereas Evan, it's a little bit harder, but yet Evan has some twitchiness. Um, his upper body isn't as strong as Dez and all that stuff. But, it, you know, again, we'll continue to enhance that. Um, but uh, if I compared a young Dez to the Prater that he is now, I would give the advantage to Dez, obviously a little bit. But, uh, you know, that's just more motivation for me and uh, to a young Evan. Like All right. Um, next question. Uh, we kind of talked about this a little bit as far as um, what you were planning on doing over break, but they were just curious about coaching staff on spring break. Are you breaking down practice film or going on the road recruiting? Not sure of the calendar slash contact rules. Well, I can tell you right now, I'm not on the road recruiting. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have, I don't think our coaches are as well. I think that would be a violation, but uh, you know, I'm sure they're all doing what they need to do. They're getting the R and R that they need. Um, you know, I'm sure they're, uh, I don't know if they're breaking down film, but maybe they are, who knows? Um, talking with our guys for sure. Um, but as far as all that other stuff, I have no idea. You know, again, my, my realm is a little bit different than the coaches realm. Um, but just know that we're always working to make, uh, every person on our team, the best version of themselves to make our program the best. As we know, basketball has nicknamed their workout room, the monster factory. What does Brady call his workout room? <laughs> uh, that's a funny, funny little <laughs> question there. I mean, it's the weight room number one, but, uh, I mean, I'd be lying. I mean, I, I, I call it a, a bunch of things sometimes. Uh, you know, the dojo. I like saying the dojo. Um, uh, you know, I, I often refer to it as a, as a club, you know, because sometimes it's a VIP thing, you know. Exactly. Now, not only the music, but uh, the you know, there's, a, there's a Little John song. If you're scared to throw it up, get the F out the club. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? Um so that, but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't like to name it. Yeah. I don't like to name it, name it anything, you know, particular. Um, I think our guys know full heartedly when they come down in there, it's time to work and, uh, we're going to maximize every single fiber of you. And, uh, you know, but, uh, there's always some, some fun kind of little sayings that we'll throw out and whatnot here and there, but, um, it doesn't have a, quote unquote monster fact or anything like that. I feel like when you just turn off all the lights and let the red lights on, you just call it hell. But 
it could be that could be that. whatever or you know it could be uh you know this is how you win games you know something like that you know i like it um i got one scott hall thoughts rest in peace the bad guy nobody better yeah yeah passed away today Dude, I guess he had he had a he had a a, sur- a hip surgery or something, and ended up having like like three heart attacks during the surgery process. And didn't I make don't want to say it, but I will say it. I think that's what steroids will do to you. You know, but one of the all time great entertainers ever. Indeed, the toothpick. Chico, <laughs> Chico, hey yo! Like that, you could like Scott Hall was just born one of those dudes that was born to be a wrestler, right? Like, like that's that's why I don't like wrestling now. Like I don't ever get the feel that like many of these guys oh, that are totally wrestling different. now that were born to be wrestlers, like it, it, yeah. The Rock, Stone Cold, Scott Hall. Like those guys, those guys were born to be in the ring, not just because they could wrestle, but because what they could do on a mic. Probably yep. more than anything. And, and Scott Hall was one of the ultimate, like, give that dude a mic. They'd just stop everything when he got in the ring. Just let him talk for, like, five minutes before the match. <laughs> like, okay, the match is going to be okay. Scott's going to do his job. It's going to be good. But we're doing a disservice if he doesn't talk for five minutes before we get this match started. Yes. Well, I mean, well, think about it. Without the NWO, you wouldn't have had the Attitude Era because they right. had to have something to go up against. Like, right. Crazy. Yeah, now, it's, now it's what? Bad Bunny, Snoop Dogg, and Logan Paul in the ring? Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Brady, I had, a, uh, I had another personal question. Yes. Even though you're having a staycation. Yes. I want to know your favorite place for spring breaks and – your favorite, most memorable spring break you've had in your past? Take it away. Oh, man. Uh, He's not allowed to tell those stories. I was going right to say, well, which yeah, one? He doesn't have to go in depth about? because it just. Jay, hold on. Timeout. Timeout. PC <laughs> 2006. Hold on. We, hold on. Timeout. Before we get to that, Jason, get out. Don't sing it. Just bring it is a rock line. That's not a Scott Hall line. No. It's the rock. That's right? That's the rock. Yeah. That's not Scott Hall. Come on, Jason. Yeah. That'd be like saying a Brady line was "We built this city on rock and roll." That, that's that's not his line. He's uh, used that's it. That's a great song, though. I know that you is used, his line. You, he's and used that line, but it's someone else's line. I did. Yes, I did. Blair that song post championship game. You we know you told us. I know. I know. I do pay attention. Um, I mean, shit. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to be that guy, but like. You know, as the years have gone by with my job and stuff like spring break, it's not like I'm the guy that's like, oh, we got to get away. Let's go to Mexico or let's go to Florida. We'll, um, we'll dig into your past. I'm going to dig into the past. I'm Fix says it for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say my junior year of high school. Oh, yeah. Uh, Here we go. When I played baseball, you know, every year we'd go to Florida mm-hmm. and, uh, I just look back. I was like, man, that was a great time. Like, you know, did we do everything that we were supposed to? No. Did we uh, indulge in some other things? Of course we did. But uh, just a great time down there in Bradenton, Florida. 
okay. you know, as a junior in high school. Um, yeah. Had a good one. I think uh, my sophomore junior year of college mm-hmm. where my buddy and I and our girls, my wife now, we drove to Florida, Fort Myers Beach. That was yeah. really fun. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, now I'm a big fan of staycations, man. Oh, yeah. baby. Oh, baby. Better. Nothing better. Nothing better than a good staycation, man. Nothing better. So what? Jason Cooper looks like he's taking you guys to task on this line. I, I, I'm not a wrestling guy, so. <laughs> Got to be a rock line, right? Well, no, like it's one of the like many lines Scott Hall had, but if anybody's famous for that line, it's The Rock. All right. Okay. Like Scott Hall, if you think of Scott Hall, you think the bad guy, right? Yeah. Like, hey, yo, the bad guy. Like when you think of The Rock, you think of Don't Sing It, Just Bring It. Uh, Who in the blue hell are you? This is one of my favorite rock lines ever. Uh, It doesn't matter what you think. Doesn't matter what you think. <laughs> if you smell, I, 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 I acknowledge that Scott Hall said, "Don't, don't sing it, bring it." But The Rock, that was his line more than it was Scott Hall's line. Yes, because Scott Hall had much better lines, like "Hey yo," Finally. and then throwing a toothpick at somebody. The Rock <laughs> has come back. Yeah. Oh, All right, baby. Brady. The Rock. We appreciate. All right, you. Brady. Enjoy your staycation, man. Hey, we got we got yeah. a big guest, like couple couple shows coming up. You do, Brady Collins today. That's why I, I've been I've been off camera a lot of this working the uh, working the guest. Uh, I didn't realize I was also the producer of all these shows, but. <laughs> <laughs> you said here let me pull it up why would i also pull it up no i was talking about booking guests oh <laughs> john cunningham I, wednesday I night with dave and i oh, i don't have that pool and then marquise copeland on monday right here on this very podcast are you gonna yeah. ask where the uh, facility is going i mean They've already told us, we think. Is that wrong? I'm just asking you. I mean, are you going to ask that? Yeah, should I? I mean, yeah. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Tune in on Wednesday. You're going to have a strongly worded letter from John (laughs) Cunningham tomorrow. (laughs) No. Hey, I'm just, hey, you know, I don't know any of this stuff. Putting it no, out there. Just putting it out there for all the viewers, you know. Oh, before you go, we forgot to ask you last time. Oh, can I you update that. can you update us at all on the status of the locker room? Uh it's going really well, actually. Um, you know, I'll, I mean the the whole the whole locker room is obviously shut down. So our guys are uh using the locker rooms down on Nippert Stadium, you know, and again. Kudos to our guys, even though a lot of them have never been used to being displaced as much as the older guys have passed, you know, in the past with because the way we're some character. Yes, no doubt. You know, it's just a more uh, adversity, which we love. But uh, <laughs> things are going well, uh, constant construction and uh, really excited to see um, the final touches and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, 
when when I, whenever I open the door and look in there, you're just like awesome. But you have no idea what the hell you're gonna expect. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> the renderings look good and all the pictures, but uh Have you met Tobes yet? I don't know who Tobes is, no. What? Zach you talking about I don't know who that is. Zach Tobler. He's running the construction of the locker room. Maybe I have. I've just never said, hey, man, what's your name? You know, who knows? Tall guy, 6'5". Looked like he could have been a walk-on on the basketball team at some point in time. We could take that. We could take that. No, uh, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It's all in the construction off. of the locker room. You know, it's all closed off, so you can't see I, what's going on. I'm going to set this up to get you and Tobes together. He's a, he's a BCJ member. He's one of our trusted basketball insiders. Okay. Um, when you first got here, he was a walk-on on the basketball team. Okay. He had his own video when he would check in. It was called Tobler Time. Okay. And you have probably – have you ever seen the uh, the GIF where the guy turns around and goes, like in the, in the, in the Bearcat unit, like during a game? The, the, the white guy in the red Bearcat? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's Tobler. Yeah. He's running the construction of your locker room. <laughs> the question is, is it GIF or Jeff? It's it's technically the guy that invented it says it's pronounced GIF. He didn't invent English. But it's GIF. Like that's how it's like that's how it should be said. GIF is a peanut butter, and that was already taken. It you is. can't use that. It is. But if you ask him, it's GIF, which I don't agree with. It's just always so confusing, you know. Is what do you GIF? mean? Is it GIF? GIF? Yeah. GIF. Because that's how it should be said. It's kind of like the meme, right? Is it meme or meme? Meme. <laughs> are you French or are you American? <laughs> I sent you, Brady, I sent you a nice meme the other day that you received. Unreal. I did. I did receive that meme. Very good meme. Nice meme back. <laughs> I enjoyed your GIF from yesterday. It pairs as well. with a good red. <laughs> you don't say meme. <laughs> oh, All right, bro. We'll see you in a couple weeks. All right. Sounds good, boys. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, I'll, see you. Best. I'll see you a week from tomorrow. Indeed. Enjoy Indeed. your staycation. R&R deserved. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys. Time. Take care, man. We'll see, see you, brother. Brady. All right. See Thanks, ya. Brady. Man, he's I love him so much. <laughs> he's I love great. when we get him at home because like, he'll just sit here and hang out with us all night as long as he doesn't have to be at work at 5 o'clock in the morning. And even then, right? still he's usually, usually. yeah. Although with oh, the time man. change, who knows if <laughs> – He's probably all jacked up at this point. Stuff gets weird. Maybe that's Man. why they, they scheduled spring break when they did. Right. <laughs> Can we mention how weird the time change is? It's just, that is Sna- insane. Sneaks up on you. Oh, man. Sunday, you wake up, you're like, what, if, what am I doing? No, it's too late. And why is like, it oh, 10? Oh, never mind. That's that's what makes sense. Why it is it 745 and still daylight outside? <laughs> <laughs> it did. It does feel earlier. It did feel like we were starting a little early, but hey, it's a good thing. But uh, yep, big thanks to Brady. Brady's a man, I'll tell you what. But yeah, it's it it is always so interesting hearing how just different but the same this group is, and and kind of how it's gonna gonna mix with the staff and everything. I I mean I don't know, Chad. You've got glowing reviews, obviously, and man, I just I can't wait to see how it continues to build 
with the uh, with the next upcoming practices. Spring forward is awesome with the kids. Okay, spring forward. Oh yes, with the kids. Very good. Very good. Don't have any, so I I wouldn't know. Is is it good with the kids, guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> spring forward. The time change. We just oh, talked about yeah. the daylight savings time. I mean, she's eleven now, so the, she. The thing with her is, she would stay up until six a.m. every night if she could. <laughs> like she would stay up till six a.m. and sleep. She's like her dad. Like she just doesn't sleep well. It gets dark out, and I'm like, I could be dead tired all day. <laughs> and as soon as dark hits, I'm like, all right, time to go. Let's get some shit done. Those um, damn ticky talkies. Yeah. Golly. So, golly. Well, anything more football related? I know, uh, you know, Mick posted a, a good uh, practice report from Friday, and they are off until what is it? Next Monday, right? Is when they come back. I imagine that is probably going to be a bit of a of a ramp up practice. Nothing too too intense, as as Brady was saying. Um, yeah, I mean, these guys are all in Florida, or you know, out and about. Like, you're going to need a, a practice to get them back to, you know, probably a lot of cramping, a lot of guys not happy with life mm-hmm. <laughs> at that point in time. Right. Taking a week, taking a, like, I don't think, like, when you're really after it all the time for, you know, like, they got, what, two weeks off probably after the end of the season. So since, like, late January all through February and through the first half of March, Every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you go take a week and sit on the beach with your girl or your buddies. You come back and guess what? It ain't every day no more. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, it, so do, do you think Brady and the staff sometimes get a little nervous if they're just, you know, thumbing through Twitter or, you know, thumbing through social media and whatnot. And they see, you know, some, some random kids on the beach doing the Oklahoma drill and just, they're just like, gosh, Please let our kids be disciplined enough to not do the Oklahoma drill on the beach because some of those videos are crazy. I just imagine the coaches are nervous anytime they're not on the like in the facility. Right, right, exactly, exactly. But oh well, it's uh, another a week off from football, but they're going to come back. We'll uh, we'll have water ball coverage as always. There, um, anything more? Big on football, shout out guys? to Mick. Big shout out to Mick for uh, for covering on Friday for me. Had some mm-hmm. stuff going on. Uh, he did a great job with the practice report. So good job. Sounds Mick. like I appreciate sounds you. like as uh, as Brady was saying that the, that QB competition will be very fun one to watch. And then we highlighted some of the other other talking points. So great to see. And of course, Sammy Anderson, another name, highly yep. rated recruit, getting his name out there as well. So it's going to be exciting. I'm going to mention Sammy Anderson in the mailbag. Okay. Okay. I can't wait to hear. Can't um, wait. But yeah, shall we move on? I guess it's time. Yes. Uh, basketball. I know that the game against Houston was recapped on the uh, nightcap um, with Justin Berg and whatnot. Um, as a few days have already passed, any closing thoughts on that Houston game as we wrap up? The season, because as you uh, reported last night, Chad, someone within the program said, we don't 
play in that stuff, right? So that means season is. And that meant that meant CBI, CIT, like right, right. That, if they would have got an NIT bid, they they would have played. Yeah, I think I, I think there's going to be who knows, but CBI and Daytona Beach would have been interesting, uh, just because that's a that's a new dynamic, a one weekend tournament, kind of strange. But anyway, so it's over, it's completely done. Rehash what your guys' thoughts are, Aaron. I'll start with you because Chad, Chad, you went in depth on the nightcap. Kind of just what your thoughts were as that Houston game was going on. And kind of as you, you know, maybe through the first half felt, okay, things are clicking the Bearcats way. Shots are falling. Defense is amped up. And then the second half happened, and uh, now here we are. Well, I mean, I feel like the season kind of gave us a glimpse of what this team might have been able to be if they hadn't had to play 12 games in 28 days. Mm-hmm. 25 days. Well, I mean, I was going with the whole month of February, but – um, seven and 15 is the even more crazy part of that. Right. I mean, just the guys were gassed and you could see it. And, you know, we kind of saw it in the second half where, you know, you, you ended up being, I think what, 40, 42 to 19 total in the second. <sighs> Shots stopped yeah. falling. Let's just say that. Nothing. Well, and defense wears down and, and right. your, your legs wear down and you just, you're playing a second game in two days, whereas Houston had some time off. 42-24 in the second half. I think it was um, maybe after they were up 10 uh, when they fell apart 42-19 to 19 or something like right, that. Right, but, right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was – I'm honestly, like, I'm, I'm glad that the first season is under the belt now for West mm-hmm. Miller. Um you know, it was it was a tough year for I would I would imagine it was a tough year for everyone. It wasn't necessarily the team that he wanted to field, but it was what you had. And I'm very anxious and curious to see what this team looks like next year. Yeah, it, you know the thing that you can definitely tell is towards the end of that second half and in, in the last you know seven minutes and whatnot, you could just sense how frustrated the, the whole staff was and how much they want to win. The players and too, though. Like, play, Yes, players too, but I'm talking just the staff in general right now. Is like the, That is a group of guys that want to win. They get they are genuinely PO'd. I, I mean, you can think about a most, another recent time where it seemed like as things were crumbling, it, it was just kind of like, okay, this is the end of the season, whatever type feel to it. But no, it's it, there was no give up out of the staff, and it, it it was permeated on the court through the players. It, just like we've said throughout the entire year, at some point the talent really took over. It it wasn't the uh, hundreds of of Houston fans in the stands that kind of you know came from close distance that were really amping up the pressure on the uh, Bearcats out on the court. No, no, no. It was just truly the supreme talent that Houston has, and and the ability for them to go out there and kind of gain control of that game. Um, Chad, I think you tweeted it a couple times and, and mentioned it as well. Once Houston did what Houston does in the second half, it was kind of like an all she wrote moment. And you've got to have, I, I can count numerous open looks that Cincinnati had towards. That. Oh, there was the, seven open threes that if they hit any of them, right. The momentum of the game changes completely. Uh, it's unbelievable. Uh, so, you know, it's like you guys said, uh, it's the end of the season. 
It'll be a season that gets analyzed, but I think it's more how the next step is that will get even more analyzation years down the road than the first season will. So um, I don't know, Chad, just kind of kind of thoughts on on the Houston game itself before we move on to kind of just the initial quick hits. I mean, I, you... I did an hour and a half. Like, I, there's not much else to say <laughs> about the Houston game. Like, Well, but not everyone listened to that. They're listening to well, this. they should. Go back. Well. It's still up. It's still available. There's a 90-minute right. uh, nightcap with me right. and Bird. I, the Houston game, look, the things that Houston is really good at are the things that this Cincinnati team was really bad at. And mm-hmm. ultimately, that played out over the course of 40 minutes. They did a hell of a job fighting their ass off and playing harder than Houston for the first 27 to 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then what Houston does took over. They, they got the ball right. to Fabian White. Since Not going to miss didn't him. have an answer to slow down Fabian White. And Houston took over control of the game. Like that's there's not a whole lot to say about breaking down that game. It's it's right. The one thing that I will say, this is a team that got beat. Houston could have beat them by a hundred twice last year if they wanted to. True. And the first game this year got ugly quick. And Houston controlled most of the game. The second game at Houston, Cincinnati put up a hell of a fight. The third game in the conference tournament. Cincinnati put up an even better fight. That gap that was there that existed at the end of last year to the end of this year closed. Right. And it wasn't because Cincinnati was, was as talented or close to as talented as Houston. It was because the team played hard. They're well coached. They're bought in. And they played better basketball. Mm-hmm. And that's going to continue. Like, Wes Miller's yeah. not going to. That's Wes, That's how Wes Miller wants to play, is like a lot of the way Houston plays, which right. is a lot of the way Cincinnati used to play because Kelvin Sampson stole that style from Mick Cronin. <laughs> so they'll get it taken care of. I'm more interested. Look, it's the offseason. I'm not – yep. the Houston game, eh, that's the past. That's, that's the last season now. Yep. Uh, now that they're not going to another tournament. We get to talk to Wes Miller tomorrow. I'm fascinated to hear what he has to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll probably live stream that press conference uh, on my phone on the YouTube channel. I'll go live if you guys want me to, and uh, you guys can can check it out for yourself. I, I'm fascinated to hear what he has to say. So, you know, I I think one thing to kind of wrap up the season, the games itself, is just the complete 180 feeling that the fan base has. You know, imagine if the season ended right after the South Florida game. You know, imagine if there was some sort of unknown pandemic that hit and there were no games that were played right afterwards. You know what I mean? Um, sure. Yeah, I get you, drift. I'm picking yeah. up what you're growing down. Right, exactly. That would have been a completely different feel heading into the offseason than it was yeah, two weeks ago. No doubt. Though. And if, if I, it weren't for the refs cheating, they would have beat SMU. <laughs> Yeah, I, what was the final ledger on that? I mean, did we not get an official ruling? I mean, there had to be some sort of crazy things going on behind the scenes. No, there's no crazy things going on. This is what conferences do when they need to protect a team to get into the tournament. Guess what? Didn't work, assholes. Well, they did get a one seed in the NIT. Good for them. Maybe they'll yeah. win it like Memphis did last year. There we Yeehaw. go. Springboard yourself to a nine seed or an eight seed, whatever you are. But, uh, no, so, yes, the, the final two weeks, I think, is – what is giving everyone that bright light hope, that little glimmer of, of wow, Jarrett Hensley is 
looking great. Mikey Saunders has shown those flashes that we saw before, you know, and different things of that sort. It, John Newman blowing up in between our in front of our eyes. Especially Aaron. the eternal optimist. He's he's definitely eyes wide open now. You should you should see. There's some others that are starting to starting to feel the feel the I, good I'm, feels. I'm just saying you are at the front of that line, leading everyone like the Pied Piper. Why? Well, I, I hope that everyone enjoys it because it's a, <laughs> it sucks on the other side. Um, yeah, for sure. As I can tell you, after the South Florida game. Uh, so, Drew Swinney, Chad, tell him. I don't think he's at the computer, but Chad, do you know what time uh, the presser is tomorrow for Wes? 3.45. Okay. There you go, Drew. And load. So keep keep your eyes on the YouTube channel tomorrow at 3.45. I'll live stream Wes's presser. And Chad, you've also touched on the, the offseason as it's obviously underway. But as we mentioned, for the football team, it's spring break, which means it's the same thing for the basketball team. Um, I know you've also mentioned other places that there are – some pieces that are not quite in the spring break mode, so keep There's eyes some guys on that are in town, which right. means that their end of the year evaluations will happen this week, mm-hmm. and then others will happen when they get back into town next week. And if you are following on Twitter at all, there's there's been some you know names that have hit the portal that Cincinnati has been tied with. Uh, I mean, obviously nothing crazy because there's ten other teams that are in the tied with conversation, but still uh, staff's already getting active. Um, it's, it's the off season and it's a team that has some, some bright pieces as we saw within the last, you know, two weeks. And what, what can they do in this off season to take that next step going into next year? And uh, I mean, get better been, players, right? Oh, it's been, we have beat, <laughs> like beat that drum to a T. I tell you what, like it, um, it's a redundant question, right? What they need to do is right. get better, like get find better yeah. players, get better talent, have a better roster. <laughs> guys that play basketball, guys that play really well in the make shots offense. Yeah, the the good news in basketball, it doesn't take a ton. Like you you're fixes. not overhauling. Yeah, you can if you find a like a, a starter or two, and all of a sudden you know you've got guys out there for. 28 minutes than that are better than the guys that you had out there for 28 minutes the year before you can fix it pretty quick. So mm-hmm. um, that's the process that's, that's ongoing. I'm, I'm figuring out team. how many spots are going to be open and, and who you're going to get to fill those spots. Right. I, as I said, in the nightcap on Friday with Berg, big man, a, a rim protecting big man. Mm-hmm. Cause I still think, defensively this team is going to to need somebody at the back end of the defense to erase shots mm-hmm. that also hopefully can do more than three points a game right that's not a that's not a shot at abdul that's just the reality of the situation yeah. like if you're going to be out there for 22 25 minutes a game gonna need you to score more than than three a night like that, that's that's how basketball works now um i think you're gonna need a point guard if you want to compete at the highest levels of the sport, point guard is the most important position. Um, you're going to need one of those. And I think potentially if there's a third, the, you need to find another wing to add to that rotation. I think it's going to get better with Skillings and Reed. Newman's back. 
mm-hmm. we'll figure out like uh, DeJulius is really like the the critical piece in what the puzzle looks like next year. If Dave's back, your needs are a little different. If Dave's gone, your needs are a lot different. Right. Um, so, so that's going to depend on what his decision is, where his mind is. Um, but yeah, I, 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 st- I, I think as I've gone back over it, initially I thought two was the, the sweet spot. I think it's probably going to be more like three. And if you get a surprise or somebody else decides, you know, that they're not, that their, their options are better off elsewhere, I could see four. Right. I think four is probably the, the, the ceiling. Two is the floor, which means somewhere around three is, you know, it's usually in the middle. Uh, but any of those, those numbers, I, uh, three is what I'm kind of expecting. Four wouldn't shock me. Two wouldn't shock me, but somewhere in, in that realm is, is where I'm at. And, you know, you take a look at, at all the teams in the, in the tournament, a bunch of them have, transfers that came in this year have been infiltrated on their team and have had the ability to have a big role. I I mean, Auburn is one I I constantly think about. Sure. They added arguably one of the top freshmen in the entire country, but then the rest of them, they've got a lot of transfers around him. Uh, And and then you also think about the only, there's only two teams I think that did not have a, a transfer added or, or, you know, have, you know, and that was Villanova and Purdue. So, Every single other team has at least added one transfer through the portal last year. So it, yeah. it's just another thing to think about. And it's going to be an ongoing thing. No direct answers right now, or at least ones that can be made public or I, nothing. Nope. Nothing. I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> Got to tiptoe around that one. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Aaron, I think you, you are probably in the same sentiment as far as the needs. You said the make shot offense. Yeah. The surprising thing is, at times, this this offense was very make-shot offense, but you've got to be able to find players that can make it consistent to where when the make-shot offense isn't falling, you still have one or two guys that can still light it up to the point where you are winning games. So, yeah, I completely agree. Basketball, I mean, we, we don't really need to dive into – much more past that. There's gonna look. There's gonna be plenty that happens over the next couple of weeks. We're gonna there talk will. a lot about basketball. We're just not there yet. Like no. we're, we're not at that point yet. We we don't know who's leaving. We don't. You know, Jordan Llewellyn or Jalen Llewellyn's name is one that popped up today. Um, I know he's a guy that Nick recruit. Yeah, uh, Larry Davis when he was here, he recruited him to Cincinnati. Um, I, I also believe that he was like UNCG. Uh, messed around with them a little bit as well. So there is a little bit of familiarity there. It would make sense that Cincinnati is uh, checking in on this one. But uh, as we saw when his initial list, like who had been contacting him today? Pretty long. Long. Former top 100 recruit. um, It's not just a mid-major Princeton player that, you know, had a good career it's a this is a top 100 recruit that was like you know what i'm going to the ivy league to get yeah. me a, a princeton degree right uh which i believe he did he was there for four years i think yeah, in the was. ivy league the thing is you can't you can't go year five or something oh, no right. you can't okay. do year five right um so he kind of has to uh leave princeton because uh, you know that's just how their weird 
system works. But anyway, if you're a first team all league player in the Ivy League, you're a good player. Yeah. Like that's and a smart. good basketball league. And you're mm-hmm. smart. And he's 6'2 and he's got good length. Uh, he shot almost 40% from three this year. Mm-hmm. So guess what? Everybody's going to want a piece of Jalen Llewellyn. Like that, <laughs> don't, don't get that part twisted. Um, but maybe the familiarity that Cincinnati recruited him the first time around, maybe the familiarity of being recruited by Greensboro uh, gives Cincinnati uh, a little bit of an edge. But when you look at that, like I, I saw Stanford on that list, like you have to figure – like this kid's like, so remember this as we get into portal season and most of them, most of them fall into the category of I'm transferring to continue playing basketball. Right. There are also kids that are in the category of I'm transferring to play basketball, but I'm also going to get myself a hellacious master's degree out of this. Yep. Uh, the, the kid that graduated from Princeton is probably also going to be looking at uh, what else I can do Adding to set myself up for life. Right, exactly. Um, I can can we – you think – and this might come off as a dumb question. You can shoot it away right away. But is it all the open spots you think will be filled with transfers from the portal? I, I, I'll never say never because you never right. know, you know, we're in coaching carousel season. Maybe somebody decommits that right. there's a connection to, um, but I don't think they're overly interested in freshmen. I think right. they're looking at veteran guys that can come in, come in yeah. and are more ready to make an impact right away. I was, I was talking to an assistant coach at a, at a different high major program uh, earlier today. Mm-hmm. He said when they were like they were going through and doing the exercise of like voting for all conference teams. Right. And they were looking through their their conference and they're like when you do the all freshman team, yeah, there's there's some freshmen that are on the bad teams, right? That and then there's 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 the NBA guys, like yeah. you know, the first team gonna be drafted, like lottery pick guys, but in the middle. There's almost nothing. No. Because teams are going away from, they're not entirely going away from freshmen. But if you look around, there's not nearly as many freshmen playing when they get to campus. Why? What did you just talk about? All the transfers that are, you know, peppering these first and second team all league teams and, you know, like, yeah. The 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 freshman impact is a lot different than it used to be. And it's it's changing rapidly every offseason. Teams yeah. aren't looking at like we're gonna go like we we need an impact hypothetical. We need an impact wing. Right. Do we go try to find a freshman that's not a five star or like a top 50 kid? Because those yeah. are all gone, right? Like that that window is closed. Yeah. Are you so you're not going to try to find it there? Where are you going to find it? You're going to find it in the transfer portal. And guess what? That guy in the transfer portal, he might be come in and block one of the freshmen that you recruited. Right. Right. And then now that freshman doesn't get to play his freshman Fresh year. Yep. You know where he ends up? He ends up in the transfer, transfer portal right before yeah. his right as soon as his freshman year ends. So I don't envy coaches at all, man. Like talking no. to them about 
how they navigate this, how they kind of try to figure out these new waters uh, has been really fascinating because some of them are all in on the transfer portal. Some of them are looking at it as an opportunity of, you know what? There's a bunch of high school kids yeah, that are good enough mm-hmm. that are now kind of being treated as like second-class citizens. Right. Like it's mm-hmm. almost like we just, you expect now go somewhere mm-hmm. and then get two years of seasoning. And then we'll see where we're at in two years when you hit the free agency. And, right. and we'll we'll deal with free agency when we deal with it. it it's a Crazy. it's such an interesting change That's in the sport and a change in the dynamic yeah. because it changes the way that all of it happens. Right. So, well, no, it's, it's it's crazy to think about because because to your point, I I used to do this. I used to love to go back and look at top one hundred recruiting classes and and well, just prospect rankings and look up their stats their first year on campus. And outside of that top 30 and for the top 50, but top 30 outside of some outliers here and there, it is not much. There are not yeah. many stats, not many minutes even. And it doesn't Just take what, until the second or third year until these top 100 prospects really start to blossom. Just wait until you start looking at that list and no one's on the same team anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like you're looking at top 100 lists and, and like, there's 20 kids still on the same team. Yep. Yeah. It took three months for everyone to be like, oh, wow, Cole Slider is on Syracuse and he's killing it. It's, it's just, it is crazy. It's absolutely Ooh, crazy. that's a big one. What, who, who hopped in? At SMU running back Ulysses Bentley entering the transfer portal. Hmm. That's a uh, two time all AAC player in two years in the league. Very curious. Who's who's bringing him in? Whew. I don't know. I'm just like that's a when you're talking about the the, the Bearcats still have one more year uh, in this right. league. That's a that's an inter- interesting loss for SMU, who is you know obviously dealing with the coaching change and all that stuff. Is he going to TCU? Should we just write that down immediately? <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably. All right. God. He did. He did. He did a week of spring practice and was like. Hey, hey, Sonny, it's Ulysses. Right? Can I come join you? Yes, come right now. All right. Well, all right. Mailbag. Let's do it. Time for the mailbag. Fire us up. Hold up. Timestamp. I had to do a timestamp. Timestamp, y'all. Dog. All right. Get a get a dog sponsor. Go ahead. All right. First question. Are we falling behind Ohio State and Malik Hartford's recruitment? Potentially. I mean, you're you're dealing with the kid going up there and watching spring practice and, you know, look, I think he had a great time at, at UC spring practice when we saw him there to open spring practice on Saturday. But a lot more bells and whistles uh, when you go to Ohio State, a lot more resources. A lot more to see. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I I know the look. Here's the thing you have to remember. I'm and and I'm sure this stems from one of the Ohio State guys putting in a crystal ball. Do you mm-hmm. really think the people that cover Ohio State believe that Cincinnati's any competition in this recruitment? 
Right. Do you, no. do you think they believe that they lose any recruit, period? To Cincinnati. To anyone. Well, Alabama, Clemson, like they've been through enough of those dog fights. They know they're, they're going to be a coin flip, right? They don't believe Cincinnati's a coin flip. They believe Cincinnati is Razor Ramon taking on a jobber uh, in a house show that airs on Saturday morning. Like Razor Ramon's winning that a hundred times out of a hundred. Rest in peace, Scott Hall. Um, I don't think they take Cincinnati serious. Right. Uh, so, and maybe they end up being right. Maybe Ohio State is too big uh, and and too powerful, and they get the kid. But um, I think Cincinnati still very much, you know, has a puncher's chance in this. And and even if he does go to Ohio State, it would be in no reason to Cincinnati not putting their best foot forward, as has been blatantly obvious from right. all all reports. So, all right. Uh, with linebacker, the only coaching well, spot left to fill. That's not know, necessarily true. I know you said Fick was being involved, but could Kyle Bolden fill well, that role? Isn't Tressel the Tressel's the linebacker, linebacker coach? coach. The, the sniper snipers. coach is what's open. Right. Um, I kind of got the sense they might go outside for that. So we'll see. Um, remember that was the, the, the money that's left behind by Greg Scruggs was uh, a decent chunk that they're, that they've got now to play with that they didn't expect to have to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. I know they're not in a rush on that. Uh, they're, they're kind of letting spring play out and seeing where they might be able to, you know, if it's that, that coaching snipers, which really is like you're coaching Ty Van Fossen and Deshaun Pace. Like that's your entire job. And every once in a while you get Leroy in there. Right. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. No, he's a nickel now. Like he's not even in your room anymore. He, he, oh, he, they you completely know. moved him? Yeah. He's, he's oh, wow. with the corners. He's, he's okay. with the nickels. Like, so. Beautiful. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, we'll see. I, I think they could go a lot of ways. Um, I, I don't know that I don't know that Kyle has officially moved up into like he was a student manager technically because his playing career ended. Right. Uh, I don't know when he would have graduated if he could have if he's filled if he's jumped to a GA spot yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, if I had to guess, probably won't be Kyle Bolden um, because I think they're they're looking for something else uh, that maybe they can find. I've got we'll a see. quick aside side question to this. Is there necessarily even a timetable for like a hiring of, of a position like that? There's no like deadlines or anything, right? Or is it kind well, of well, especially because like Luke is like sliding down and coaching linebackers now, right? Like, you know, he, he's actually relishing in like, oh, there's an opportunity for me to like have my own thing, right? Um, so no, I, they're not in like a huge rush, and you're already. If there was going to be a rush, it would be to get somebody in before spring ball started, right? Right, right, exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, and we're not there yet. Because then after that, but we're not like spring before, started. Like we're already fall. Then would yeah. be before summer. Like you'd like to get probably somebody in there recruiting fairly shortly after spring ball is complete, and mm-hmm. uh, and get moving in that direction. All right. Uh, I read in Mick's article today that Coach Hitchler was doing the. Defense being a two defensive back, three safety scheme. Is this a result of helping with young cornerbacks? How is the battle for cornerback looking? It's a result of uh, 
I, I think they consider the dollar a safety. And for because they, they play a lot in coverage, like it's considered in their terminology, uh, like a, a box safety or an extra, a third safety on the field. Um, how's the battle for corners looking? We're early, the four practices, it's early. Uh, I thought the first two days, the offense got the best of them. I thought when the pads went on, uh, they looked a little better. There's been a lot of movement. If you're if you're looking at the practice reports, they're trying and getting on tape a look of everybody that's in contention in all of the spots. Um, the names are are the names that we've been reporting for weeks now. Um, they're just making sure we have everything possible on tape to sit down, evaluate, and when it's time to make this decision, to make this decision. Um, and I think that's the way you have to do it, right? Like, Agreed. So uh, it's it's getting there. I just wouldn't read too much into the, the, the a three-safety scheme because from the start, like that's kind of what that sniper position has always been. Um, I mean, if you remember, what, the first one was Malik Clemens? who moved mm-hmm. down from safety into that spot. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a big safety, uh, small linebacker kind of like, that's how they look at it. All right. After Jason Kelsey's national <laughs> anthem tonight, could we get UC to have Juwan Briggs sing the anthem to open the season in September? Oh, uh, I think it would be like, so Kelsey sang it at a, a Sixers game. It was, Delightful, a little, a little, a little uh, freelancing. Uh, one tone. segment and some baritone, a little baritone in there. It was, <laughs> it was something, all right. <laughs> Got some crooner in him, I would say. Nice. I would sounded, guess if you would. Go ahead. I was, just, I was just gonna say it sounded like exactly what you'd expect the brawny man to sound like if he sang. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, my guess would be if we see a Jawan Briggs national anthem, basketball it would be season. basketball season. And he would kill it. You talk about viral. You talk about viral. You put that monster of a human yeah. in front of a microphone singing the national anthem. Like everybody in the nation would be talking about that. Yeah, he, he, he put the firecrackers to shame. He, he'd steal the show. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Moving on. I know. I will there not is no firecracker slander. slander. I agree. I agree. On I this podcast. I take it back. Is Evan Prater the only dual threat quarterback in the program now and also in the recruiting queue? Yes. I mean, you know, Ben Bryant has a little wiggle to him. Uh, I think Luther Richardson has a little wiggle to him. But in terms of, like, what recruiting services call a dual threat quarterback, yeah, that's Evan's Evan's that dude, and there's not really anybody else. Well, but remember, I mean – Joey Burrow was, I think he was labeled as a scrambling quarterback, as a dual threat guy. So as long as you got some wiggle, move back there. We'll see. Yes. All right. Moving to the basketball. It's not board. necessarily got to be the, you know, the right. It was, all, yeah. was all I was saying. Yeah. No, I all right. If there were a Rule 5 or expansion draft in college basketball, who's the first player you'd protect on this team's roster, not including recruits signed, and why? Hensley. 
And I think that's because I, at this point, I feel like he has the most upside without risk of injury. I still think I'd go John Newman because I think he's the one guy on this roster right now, currently, that legit like reminds me of like a throwback Bearcat, right? Okay. And I think that is important, even if it's just for one more season, to continue to set, to build and set and establish the culture of this is what it looks like to play here, right? Mm-hmm. I think John Newman is critical for that. Uh, I think Hensley's a good pick. I think Vic would be a good pick. But uh, I think he just worries so much about the injuries. But his injuries, right. no, yeah, right. But I'm going. Uh, I'm going Mikey Saunders, Mikey Saunders Jr. I just think his his speed. Obviously, we. We mentioned elite. that is it is elite, no matter what Penn State coaches might tell you. It it is elite speed. Penn State support staffers. Let's not call him a coach. That's he was on the bench on Friday. I'm just uh, no. I'm just saying. He, like let's I not know. oversell. Let's not oversell snow. I agree. We don't agree, have to. No. <laughs> no, I uh, I would go Mikey. Um, I think you mentioned it in the uh, in the nightcap. I mean, when when he's confident, he has the ability to be one of the best players on the court. Uh, and I think we've seen that in, throughout games in his first two seasons here. And I, I mean, who knows if he has a big off season and and amps up some certain parts of his game. I think he'd be uh, he'd be a good good piece right there. We saw him improve the shooting significantly. Yeah, towards the end of the season for sure. Right. Yeah. Well, he had a hot stretch. Of the season, and he went and really cold. Yeah, and then he, he came back and and got it going again. Confidence is everything for him. It absolutely is. What are your thoughts on the UC Claremont Cougars basketball team? Have any of you interacted with the team or even knew that one of Cincy's satellite campuses had its own independent basketball team? Zach, how much time do you think I have in a day? (laughs) Do you understand like how difficult it is to do all of this and get all of the content produced and, and like ready to go that we do here? I, I wish the UC Claremont Cougars basketball team well. Um, if you want to cover them, you know, start a thread. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to tell you, Zach. I, no, I, that is not on my um, radar. Radar. It's not in my in my availability uh, pocket at this point in time. I, so can, consider me ignorant, but like, would would is UC Claremont like? Is that like saying like IU East or like? It's like a satellite campus. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, is this a division like NAIA? I mean, I've just never heard of the UC Claremont Cougars. It's but, a yeah. it's a it, UC Claremont is just a satellite campus at UC. Basically, like it's if you like Thomas More. Yeah. No. Because it's actually affiliated with UC. Okay. Like so Harmony like in terms Prep. of credits, like in terms of credits transferring, no, not like Harmony Prep either. In terms mm-hmm. of credits transferring, I know, but like you can you can go there and get your associate's degree. Your credits are tra- will transfer to UC. Okay. Um, it's kind of a way to take the load off of like um, admittance. Uh, I don't want to get too deep into because I don't, I don't, I'm not yeah. overly familiar. But not like, crazy. you know, if you're if you're borderline getting into UC, maybe you go to UC Claremont for two years, 
prove with your yep. grades and your performance that you know you're you're big time and then you go to UC and you get your associates or you get your you know your uh bachelor's degree. Juco Ivy Tech Bloomington coming over to IU. I got you. Sure. All right. Sure. Uh, <laughs> Hensley was nursing his offhand slash thumb in the tournament game. Was that all year? And he just gutted it out? Uh, not to my knowledge. Yeah, I think it, it, that was the first I realized it. It was something later in the year. Like, I, I don't know exactly when it became an issue, but it wasn't an all-year thing. The, the, right. the all-year thing for him, like we just talked about with Mikey, confidence. I talked about this several times with Jarrett. I think for the first three quarters of the season, he was just trying not to screw up, right? He was he was trying to come in, give the best three minutes he could, and keep it moving for when, you know, Newman came back in to replace him. Mm-hmm. He was trying not to, like, he, he was in this mindset of just go in, and you know, not not give up ten points in the three minutes that you're in there. Um, as the season wore on, he got a little bit more confident, got a little more uh, you know energy and and belief in what he was able to do when he was on the court, mm-hmm. and then he became more of a factor. Like that's such a thing for young players that people don't get that those guys that are in those support roles where they're playing seven, eight minutes a game, right? You get one shift in the first half. We've talked about like a third line hockey player. Right. Right. You're just trying to get it back to the first line. I think that's where Jarrett was for a lot of the season. And then he finally realized like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm good enough to make a, to make an impact here. And then you start playing with confidence and then you start making more of an impact. And that, you know, begets more and more confidence going forward. And we saw that at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thumb thing, I, I didn't notice it through most of the season. Um, it was something that I wasn't on that the Texas two-step road trip, Houston and SMU, uh, Tuesday and Thursday that the conference blessed Cincinnati with. Assholes. Um, and I, I wasn't down in Dallas or Fort Worth, so. Um, maybe I'll maybe thing, I'll ask Wes tomorrow. There we go. One thing I noticed also was, if you remember when when Hensley was first coming over to Cincinnati and whatnot, Wes mentioned that he was a player at the end of the season that he felt could have been in the rotation and gotten heavy minutes, but just had these upper classmen on a really yeah. good team ahead of him. So it's it's someone that got better progressively last season. And then this season as well. And then we also touch on the fact that there were so many games in back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back days that, you know, there was no real practice time to say, hey, Jared, we want you to start stepping up here. So, you know, it, right. it seemed like it was that little break and then all of a sudden the layoff where Jared did get that extra boost of confidence um, after the Texas trip and then into the conference tournament. So um, hopefully, yeah. A springboard. Well, that you have a dunk like awesome. he had, and all of a sudden you're like, you know what? I can play with these dudes. Yeah, I just, right. I just, I just crammed on this guy's head. Yeah. <laughs> and then his three was pretty in the yeah. uh, in that game against Houston too. But uh, side note, Drew says it's a branch campus. I'm pretty sure they play each other, they play other branch campuses and low level schools. So thank you, you, Drew. Thank you, Drew. Appreciate you. All right. 
Um, UC has had five teams that have failed to make the NCAA tournament, the NIT, or win a conference championship since the shoe opened. 07, 08, 09, 21, and 22. Rank these teams. This is tough. 07 and 08 are like two completely diametrically opposite teams. Because if you remember, 07 started out really good in McCronin's first year. They beat Xavier. They they were they were really good in the non-conference, and then they went into the Big East schedule and they got destroyed. Mm-hmm. 08 stumbled out of the gate, really struggled in the non-conference, and then in conference, they held their own in Big East play. I think 09 was the best of those. Right? You get third year Deontay Vaughn. Yeah. Um, you get Yancey, you get Dion. Rashad Bishop. Uh, I think 09 was was Mike Williams' year. He blew out his knee, right? No, he was he played all 29 games. In 09? In 09, yeah. When did he blow out? Was it 10 he blew out his knee? I think it would be let's see here. Because I'm just on Ken Palm right now. 09 has him playing 29 games. Okay. Let's see. 2010 would be. Yeah, it doesn't even have him on the team. Um, he know, wasn't on he... the 08 team, though. Yeah. I think it was 09 and 10 were the two years he was here. And, and or he blew out his Achilles, I think it was. Yeah. Um, man. I, I You have to put 21 last, right? Like, yeah. there were a couple Alvin teams. Mitchell. <laughs> Ooh, Alvin. There were a couple teams in 21 that beat, like, the, the, the good teams that they played beat the absolute piss out of that 21 team. Houston. And Twice. non-con was not pretty either, really. I mean, not. I guess George, that game at Georgia was the only one that was yeah. more than, than 10. More that than Georgia nine. team was awful. Right, right. I think I'd have to put 21 last. 21 had good pieces, though. I mean, you've got a top top 10, top 15 NBA draft pick on that team. But he didn't play anything close to that. Right, right. I, I'm just saying it's it's Keith Williams. That look, man, the pieces are great, but th- that team was not. Just because DeJulius was on that team doesn't mean DeJulius last year is what DeJulius was this year. Like, you can't – that's apples and oranges. When we're ranking these teams, I I think 21 is – like, do you think the 07 team would have beat the 21 team? Just off anger alone? I I mean, (laughs) the 07 team could could have probably beaten this team at times too. I mean, if we're talking about this after the South Florida game, I'd say 22 (laughs) is close to the bottom too. I mean, I don't know. It's – it's a hard question. I think 09 is the clear number one. The best. Yeah, yeah, the best. Clear number one. Um, I'd go 08 probably second because that team held its own in the Big East. And the Big East was a monster. Da- Davin, oh, the 06 team went to the NIT. This is this is not going to the NIT either. <clears throat> yeah, the 06 team went to the NIT. The, te- the 2010 team went to the NIT. Yeah. With White Nixon and, and man, Devin Downey. 
Jihad Muhammad, what a team. Yeah, um, so 06 and 10, 10 had Lance, Vaughn, yeah. Bishop, Yancey, Yancey, Cash. Like, in the 09 team, remember, like, Cash blew his knee out the first day of practice. Yeah. Like, that 09 team would have been significantly better even with, with if Cash had stayed and might have or stayed healthy and might have even been a tournament team. Um, so, 09, 08, one and two. The real question of this is twenty-two and oh seven. I mean, pretty pretty crazy is this. So oh seven finished one forty-first in Ken Palm. Yeah. Um, I mean, they did have the Xavier win. They beat NC State and Miami of Ohio. Also beat West Virginia in overtime, but man, they they really stunk it up. Two and fourteen in the Big East, but obviously the best Ooh. conference in in the history. Um, 08 was 102nd was what they finished at. 86 for the 09 team. 2021, 116. And then 2022, obviously the season's not over, but they're at 101 right now. 09, 08, 22, 07, 21. That's my ranking. There it is. And 2022... And 2007 would have been close. Like, I, I, I think 22 would win 6 of 10. Like, I, I think it would, you know. Does the, does the, is the 07 team, like, is their home gym the practice gym? Because it was a bunch of misfits and outcasts and, no, you know. No fouls called, just. Right. 22, their home gym is the new Fifth Third Arena. Right. I'm taking 22. <laughs> Six of 10. But 09, 08, 22, 07, 21. That's, that's my five. I'm not ranking. What, what the, why not? Because I, I really wasn't paying a whole lot of attention in 07, 08, and 09. I was still in my mid-20s partying an awful lot and not paying a ton of attention to Bearcats basketball, if I'm being completely honest. Oh. I mean, I was partying my ass off, but whenever those also it wasn't really black were on the screen, I was wasn't well back in 07 and 08. I was still up in Dayton, Ohio, where it wasn't super easy for me to access Cincinnati Bearcats games. You didn't have cable on. TV in 2007, yeah. But when were they, when were those teams on cable? Because I can tell were, you, it wasn't all in the big east, it didn't did you, matter. Did you have a radio? Couldn't listen to Dan Horde, Chuck Mayshock. No, I was partying. I mean, yeah, there were some games where I had to stream Dan Horde and then follow the game cast. As what's as your the ranking then, going on. Brent? What's your ranking? No, I no, I agree with you. Um, I I'm not as low on 2021 as you are, just because. Well, somebody's got to be last, right? Right, just because of the pieces. I I think it's closer with 2021 and 07 because I think yes, although they surprised in the beginning of the year, and and yes, it was the best conference put together, but. I mean, they were they were bad, bad down down that final stretch of the year. I mean, Rutgers was 208th in the country, which is so way worse ranking? than that. Give me your ranking. Um, I'd go uh, first is easy. That's it's 09. Uh, second would be 08. Um, 
just because obviously they've got they've got good pieces. Then then I I like the way this team ended. Look, we'll go we'll go twenty two. You know what? Screw it. I I think we're I think we've got a wash. I think we've got the same thing. But it's it's more of a Luke Fickle one A one B like a four A four B for me because all um, right. Yeah, I mean 07 was was pretty abysmal. But thanks see. thanks for your contribution to the podcast, Aaron. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> We get this com- we get this question about every other week at this point. Uh, but I'm working chance- on it. Any chance you can get Coach Rayfield on during the offseason? Yes, there is a chance. I have a great relationship with Coach Rayfield. There is absolutely a chance. So you're um, saying there's a chance. He's just not a guy that loves like this type of stuff. Like it's not really like Brady comes on and he'll chop it up for an hour. That's he's got a big outgoing personality. Like Mike is a little more quiet, a little more reserved. Um, so, but we're working on it. There, there is very much a possibility that coach Rayfeld will be on during the off season. Yes. All right. Um, this is quite a question. Green and call your recruitment. Would staff take a green commitment today, knowing it would take them out on Collier. Any thought on how staff weighs possibility Collier may be great here for one year, but then off to the NBA, whereas green perhaps is good or great for three to four years at UC more general. How do staffs handle situations similar when they're recruiting two guys hard for one spot first to commit gets it. Every recruitment is different. So I, I can't answer this and just say like, this is how everyone will be handled. Um, I think with Isaiah Collier, you're looking at a five-star point guard. Wes is a point guard. Wes very much wants to be great at point guard. Uh, he knows how important that is for a team to be successful. Um, so I think it's like you have to be you have to be delicate with it. You have to figure out like you know, we really like Trey Green. Trey Green really likes Cincinnati. What is the what's the inflection point? Is that what I'm looking for? Sure. Of like how long can we wait on Isaiah Collier before it costs us with Trey Green? You know, like right. when do we start moving down Trey Green's list? Because we're still involved with Isaiah Collier. And then you have to make a decision one way or the other. So it, it's it's different for everybody. It's different for every, like, you know, you're always recruiting multiple guys. Like, if you know you need, we need to get better at this spot. You're not recruiting one guy unless you know, like, we've got this one. It's a done deal. Right. Um, neither of those spots are in that point. Uh, I think both of them want to play through the spring and see where they're at uh, as they go into the summer. So you do the best you can to figure out, like, with Collier, how much does the outside outside noise impact his recruitments to places like Alabama and Auburn? Um. You know, it's a it's a it, it's a delicate situation and one like this, and it's one that you know that's what the coaches get paid the big bucks for. Um, is hey, hey, how about Miss Rayfeld? The ratings would go through the roof, and that's 
That's Miss <laughs> Jesse and Mr. Jesse, actually. <laughs> that had to be what PTP, a bunch of bangles talk on there. Oh, we, like we could get a lease on for PTP without question. Like oh, yeah. Elise and I have always had a great relationship. Um, love Elise to death, and uh, would There's love to would love plenty to have going her on at some point. Plenty going on right now with Bengals to have that talk over there on PTP. Yeah, I had, so. I had I had one last question when in regards to this. Um, is have you heard like? The professional route is that a possibility at all for Collier? That you've heard of? It seems as if not that I've heard of to this point. He's a he's a pretty um, he's a kid that's got a at least somewhat of a focus on the academic side of things. Right. Um, good family, good base. Understands the importance of like at least starting your college education. Mm -hmm. Um, so that is not something with him that I have, uh, heard, you know, prominently right. like, uh, you know, everybody wants to like, wants to ask me about like Bryson Tiller, right? If you don't know who Bryson Tiller is yep. five-star freshman plays on the same high school team as Josh Reed. Mm -hmm. I think there's a better chance Aaron plays college basketball than Bryson Tiller. Can't wait. I still have four years. <laughs> so, like, there's there's some you know. Uh, like, I believe in your are, skill, Aaron. <laughs> they're already trending towards a professional route. Right. I have not got that uh, overall feeling from um, Isaiah Collier to this point. Right. I still have four years of eligibility. Now, one of these, you know, overtime elite or, or whatever, you know, the G League, Ignite, Ignite yeah. they come in with a – Half a million dollar a year, two year deal. Kroger better call right away. I tell you <laughs> right. Well, the, the crazy thing is, a lot of those are like, especially with Ignite or uh, Overtime Elite, they're happening when these kids are juniors, right? So going into their senior year, mm -hmm. they're saying, we'll give you $500,000 for your senior year, $500,000 for the year you're supposed to be in college. And you get a million spot. bucks. We'll get you a Puma scholarship. How about that? You like New I like Balance? Pumas. I like Pumas. Pumas ain't terrible. Pumas, Pumas kind of comfortable. They aren't bad. Cool. Initial final four picks, and who's your sleeper? Aaron, I want to hear yours. I barely even looked at the damn bracket. I would agree, but I at least had this ready. Um, I'm going to go Arkansas. Oh. Mm, I don't agree with that one. Yeah, that's because you hate him. Uh, you no, I don't hate. It's got nothing to do with him. I just I don't know that they they struggle mightily at times on offense. UCLA. Okay. Arizona. And Kansas. All right. Looking at the West. Um. So then Aaron's team would surprise team would be Arkansas. Yeah. Uh I, I'm gonna go Gonzaga in the West because I just that doesn't look like a great bracket to me. Yeah. Duke. Uh, like, I, I can't wait for Duke to lose before the first weekend's over. To Davidson? I don't care to who. Well, it ain't gonna be a Cal State Fullerton, I'll tell you that. Weirder things have happened. They have, but Recently, oh, I'm looking at so I'm looking at something that's totally not right. 
you know, I, well, while Chad's looking for it, who you got Brent? Um, you know, I like, like you guys, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm a, I'm a junkie when it comes to this stuff, but I dive in way more than I have so far, but I, I mean, Gonzaga's just got that feel. They've got a unicorn in Chet, um, some of the best players in the country, but of course their question is how have they done? I think Texas Tech is a hot team to look out for there, but I am going to go Gonzaga out of there. Although I, I like, do think, I think Memphis can give Gonzaga problems. That's what I'm hoping for too, but I just think Gonzaga's got just kind of that offensive firepower where – if yeah. they get in a track race, Memphis, they're going to keep up for a while. But after, it, you know, I think that Gonzaga wins that track meet. Um, is, is the game of the tournament potentially, like the sneaky game of the tournament, potentially Duke-Michigan State in the second round? Like where Kay doesn't make it to the Sweet 16 in his, like, exhausting retirement tour? And is a continues to win right market. and Izzo like you know gives him the old suck it like right. yeah and then doesn't shake they, they shake the air hand that they, right <laughs> there's as no they, as, there's, they bra- <laughs> as they browse by and like rush by each other there's no actual handshake line they're just shaking air as he right. promised he would I, I don't hate Kentucky in the east Mick Mick has an interesting I, I, yeah, I'd love I'd love Mick Cal in the Elite Eight. Man, that would be amazing. Yeah, that's in Even, Philly. I might have to get in the car. Mick Mick plays IU, then plays Scott Drew, then plays Coach Cal <laughs> or or Matt Painter, Purdue. Um, yeah, but I think Arizona is really, really, really good. That that UCLA Arizona game was one of the more fun games to watch. But Tennessee is obviously a hot pick. Um, well, we're still in the East. Who you got in the East? In the East, I, I'm going Homer with uh, the uh, Purdue Boilermakers. But I, I hope it's Dude, UCLA. They can't Purdue defend the anybody. They friend. can't. You, they can't. You you cannot feel comfortable with that pick. They can't defend. Oh, anybody. I don't feel comfortable at all. But it's my it's my. Uh, it's it's my home. It's UCLA. Like if they have to potentially play Kentucky in the Sweet Sixteen, the only yeah. way you beat Kentucky is to bully them, right? And to like to make them play like Tennessee made them play, where they beat the hell out of them, and Kentucky couldn't score. Purdue right. can't do that. Like I, we are quickly approaching two and a half hours. Okay. I, okay. Uh, great. Well, we asked, they asked the damn questionnaire. Do you got somewhere to be? No, just the nightcap. I like UCLA. There we go. Just because of Mick. Uh, South. Your pick down there? Uh, I'm going to go Kentucky, I think. I think Kentucky's the best team in that region. Uh, The South, there's always a team like Arizona that they they look so good in the the conference tournament that everybody jumps on board and loves them. The problem is I don't know who else I trust in this bracket at all, Tennessee, other than Illinois, a, a Tennessee. A little Tennessee Villanova, I think, would be an awesome game if we yeah. could get that in the Sweet Sixteen. I, I think I'm going to go Colin Gillespie. Uh, they probably shouldn't be here. Tennessee should probably be the two seed, but the good news mm-hmm. is we get Tennessee Villanova potentially in the Sweet Sixteen mm-hmm. to like settle it. I think Colin Gillespie like makes plays 
more than anybody else. Yep. So I'll go Villanova gets out of the South. So what Gonzaga, Kentucky, Villanova. What do you got in the South? You mean the Midwest or oh no, the South. Like okay. what, what's your Aaron, you got Aaron Arizona? Arizona. Um I mean, yeah, I agree. Lloyd, first year head coach. I, I'll actually roll with Tennessee. They seem like you know Rick Barnes has been there before. Type I don't game. hate that. I don't hate it. Um, and they are playing. They're they're playing so well. I mean, they are. And they've got players that aren't like like if this guy's off, then they're going to lose. You've got a bunch of dudes that have actually really molded together well, kind of like fair. Arizona has. But I don't know. That's fair. In the Midwest, I, I was the hottest team in the country, probably. But yeah, it's hard to hate Kansas. I don't think Auburn. Kansas really have like the. Do they really have the juice? Do they really have the star power to win this thing? Yeah. Trevor Trevor says Aaron has to pack. Chad, damn. Uh, Actually, the unpacking. Um, Most of the stuff's here in Athens, but yeah, he's already packed. We already went. He already missed Friday and Saturday night. He wins. You know who was here working his ass off Friday and Saturday night? This guy. This guy. If you're working, Aaron with, was packing. If you're if you're working with Berg, are you really working your ass off, or are you just having fun? I mean, you know, a little of both. <laughs> a little of both. You know, sometimes you're. Something and sometimes you're the condom wrapper, whatever <laughs> you're pulling the chicken out of a condom wrapper. Yeah, that's what I don't, it was. I don't even know, man. Aaron, <laughs> let's go to the next one. Yep, I don't know who I like in the Midwest. I really don't like. <laughs> I I think you're right. Like Iowa's probably the hottest team in this region. Um, LSU, like they they probably have the best talent, but no coach, no coach. <laughs> Wisconsin Auburn in the Sweet 16 is fascinating. How good is Wisconsin? Okay. Right? They, they they have the same problem that your boy from your boys from Purdue, like they're kind of one dimensional. Yeah. Oh. I didn't know I was gonna say I didn't know Purdue had a Chris vote. Yeah, I mean it, Wisconsin's got Chris vote. Chris vote on steroids, man. <laughs> you can put them in the final four, probably. Uh I don't know. I don't trust Bruce Pearl to get with, to a Final Four. Do you? With, with anything? Right. Like, uh, do you trust like, – I guess the question is how much do you trust Kansas? Because I don't love really much of the rest of this region at all. Well, I trusted them enough to put them number one. So, moving you on. You got them winning? But no, I mean in the in the region. Okay. So. All right. Um, what? Chad T. Win says, "Crack that whip, Chad." All right. <laughs> uh, what's the very best five man hoops lineup the Bearcat football team could put on the floor? Who would be the sixth man? All right, I've got five. Well, I think My we've done easy. I think we've done this before. Well, That's... with last year's team. Okay. Well, now we got a new team. Prater, Prater's still going to be the best player on the team. Without uh, maybe. Simone. Maybe. Prater. Yeah. 
Shaman and, and, and Evan are my captains for sure. Sammy played for a state championship, right? I was going to say, we had did, Sammy did on. Scott would win a state championship? We had, we had Sammy on the last team. Yeah. Um, Javon Hicks was trending towards being like a legit basketball recruit before he decided on football. So my perimeter, Evan, Sammy, Hicks, Shaman, and then Luke Collinsworth was really good at basketball at, at East Central. Yep. And he's 6'7", 315 pounds or whatever, 320 pounds. I'll take that as a five. Yeah. So that's my five. Six man. So it gets a little more difficult, right? You, well, you, scoring off the bench with leadership. What? Do, do we know if if Mardner played or if <laughs> Blue Smith played? Okay, yeah. or... uh, Blue Smith was Blue a, like played. Blue Smith played for sure. Okay. Blue Smith was a borderline top one hundred basketball prospect. There you go. Um, Wiley. Yeah, Wiley would Wiley would goon it up for you. I think for right. sure. Like if you're gonna bring somebody in to talk shit and like. Get in the opponent's heads. Wiley's your pick. Bruise um, and throw down an angry dunk. Wow. Right. Mardner's interesting. We'd have to figure out more about Nick Mardner's uh, basketball background. Um, who do we think could shoot? Like, I don't know that any of these guys could shoot. Well, Blue, if we he might was need a top shooter 100, right? Huh? Blue, if he was top 100, right? That doesn't mean he can shoot. Like just based on Br- Brady Lichtenberg was a was a had a flamethrower from three. All right, then Lichtenberg is our is my bench guy. Oh, what Nick, about what about Luther? I don't know if Luther's played basketball. I don't either. Well, I'm picking guys that I know <laughs> and had some basketball. I just imagine his background. His dad would have him in tip top shape. Yeah, that means he's not playing basketball. That means he's in the gym. <laughs> he's in the weight room, not the basketball gym. Next. Fun question, right. always. Always. In the last 30 years, who are your top oh, five scoring guards when you need a bucket? Who's it going to be? 30 years? Are we considering Logan a scoring guard or a point guard? Scoring. Scoring. Okay. Logan, SK, Jaron. Uh, it gets tough from there. DeMar? Can I count DeMar as a scoring guard, shooting guard? Yeah. Yeah. I DeMar? Say I don't think you can. Wing? Yeah. Why? Because you, we didn't have a wing position back then. It was you, – you played – Point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center. He was shooting guard. He was coming out at the two? Yeah, they had Pete Michael. I thought he was coming out at the three. I don't think he was coming out at the two. He was He was a three. KSAT. What was that starting Steve five? Logan. Satterfield. Logan wasn't a starter on that team. What was the starting five for that team? How would uh, let's see here? Throw up the old KP. That was the oh, it's a cutoff year. 
Um, it was KSAP. All I'm saying is, I don't think he was a guard. I think he was a forward. I think you're dead wrong. I think that was the whole – DeMar changed basketball. He was a 6'9 guard. All righty, here we like, go. Like, DeMar was, was Kevin Durant before Kevin Durant. Let's see here. So, also a three. Durant was also four inches taller than DeMar. <laughs> trying to see here. Well, they don't have games started, I, of course. Yeah, it would be between I, – I think DeMar was, was out. Obviously, he was starting. I don't know if it was at the two or at the three. Pete Michael was the three, right? He was the four with Kenyon. Who was the three? Who were the two wings? Well, no, it was Fletcher. Actually, Fletcher probably started with Bingo. Kenyon. Which Fletcher was the four. Then Pete, Pete Michael. Michael was the three. DeMar was the two. Kenny Satterfield at the one. Right. So DeMar was the scoring guard. So I've got Logan. I've got Kilpatrick. I've got Cumberland. I've got DeMar. The fifth one is tough. Throw out a wild card. Okay. Tony Bobbitt. But then you get into, like, Durden, Burton, right. Bobbitt. Field. Field. Field was the best shooter of all of them. But I'm saying if, if I need a bucket I'm, and it's, it's crunch time, I, I'll draw up a play for Tony Bobbitt. Okay. I don't know who I'd take at five. That's real. Five is really hard on this like exercise. Case and case saying Jermaine Tate was the four. Demar was the two. Okay, Tate was the four. Tate or Fletch, one of them. Like yeah, right. Demar was the two on that team because Pete was the three. Mm-hmm. I'm confident in that. I just didn't remember who started at the four. All right. Uh, it was reported Oresco and Cunningham met to discuss buyout numbers for a 23 entrance to the Big 12. Is basketball recruiting for 23 crucial to be in the Big 12? Yes. Next question. <laughs> what coaches are still coaching out of the FBI scandal, and why is it taken until this year for things to happen? Will Wade, Sean Miller, who's next? 2023 Xavier head coach. Well, Frank Martin was in uh, South Carolina was in that. So Frank Martin is now out. Um, one tournament what? appearance, one final four. Why is it taking so long? Because it was an FBI investigation. Like the NCAA has no jurisdiction to jump an FBI investigation. They can't just say, we're going to do what we're going to do. And Ooh. the FBI can deal with it. Like, you can't put yourself in a position where the FBI stuff comes back and all of a sudden you've made all these decisions and the FBI hasn't made a decision yet. Like, so that's what's made it take so long. Matt, Matt Lanham with a Lance mention. Okay. Yeah. Deontay. Deontay was more of a one though. I had Jamal Warren started at the one first, the first two, two years. years. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could make an argument for Deontay. Lance, Lance, Lance would be in there. Yeah, uh, but if you had to take, if you had to take one guy for a year, would it be Demar or would it be Lance? Demar. Demar. Well, yeah, for one year, yeah. 
Yeah. Like you got both of those guys for one year. I'm taking Lance over Demar. You mean Demar over Lance? It, yeah, Demar yes. over Lance. Sorry. Have you seen anything firsthand out on the recruiting trail? No, not yet. That doesn't happen until April. So, I I think they meant some FBI stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nothing I'm going to say out loud on this podcast, though. A couple, because, a couple uh, McDonald's bags left around. Because, the- because look, man, my heart sunk a little when it was like the FBI's calling around. I was like, yeah. <laughs> and I know a couple friends that got those calls. Sonny Vaccaro, Chad Brendel. No, but like I was, I was in some lunch situations and some hotel situations and some. <clears throat> there was a lot going on back you in. Can read, you can read it all in the tell-all j- book. Chad has coming out in ten years. <laughs> Three hundred thousand for Nas Reed is a jailable offense. <laughs> no, it's a strong ass offer, Andrew. It's a strong ass <laughs> offer. Uh, I'll tell you this, you know, the first person to ever scout Nas Reed was and loved him more than probably anybody. Larry Mick Cronin. Mick Cronin. Mick Cronin. All right. And the last question of the mailbag. Welcome back, Jensen. Happy X misses the tournament again day. Rapid fire questions. <laughs> bagel or English muffin? Bagel. So normally bagel. Unless it's an English muffin from You're completely incapable of rapid fire. Unless it's an English muffin from uh, uh, Blue Oven Bakery. That's bagel. all. That's it. Normally a bagel, but if it's a Blue Oven Bakery English muffin, I pick that because those are orgasmic. And bagel. Bagel. Uh, sausage patties or links? Patties. Patties. I'll, I'll go links. Sometimes I like a good link. Well, Link with pancakes because you get the sausage or you get the syrup to to get on the link, and then the link is superior to the patty. Just caveats for rapid fire every time. Snickers yeah. or Twix? Snickers. Twix. Twix. I'm a Twix guy. You know what's depressing at the radio station? Nobody eats Twix. So every time I get a Twix from the vending machine at the radio station, it's old. they've been in there for like three months. And they're like, they're not good. And I'm like, who the fuck doesn't eat Twix? It's a vending machine with candy in it. Is Aaron still alive? I heard quite a few gunshots Sunday afternoon, and I fear that I missed my shot at him. Yeah, I'm still here. Uh, P.S. When Brent finally gets married, will it be an open bar? Follow-up question. Can I be Chad's plus one, or is that reserved for fake John Goble? Skins, one of you assholes are plus question. my... Well, Skins, that might have been the dumbest question ever. That, of, of course, course it's an open bar. It's an open bar. Jeez, the unfortunate God. part is it's going to be in like Australia, so neither of us are going to be able to go because that's insane. <sighs> Got BCJ money. Come on. Exactly. I have BCJ money. He doesn't. And uh, if one of you two assholes are my plus one, something's gone horribly wrong. <laughs> just well, that's the mailbag. Wow. Marathon. Marathon, guys. Marathon. We sprinted our marathon. Anything in closing, guys? Anything in closing? Look, when you have Brady on for an hour and 15 minutes, this is going to happen. Oh, Brady's great. I wouldn't trade him for nothing. Next week, we get Marquise Copeland, Super Bowl champion. champion. And potentially the person in line between Ethan Green and Luke Fickle on the wrestling mat. Buy tickets now. Pay-per-view. 
sponsored by BCJ and Danco Transmission. But, uh, you know what, guys? Fantastic PPP. Special thanks to Brady Collins. Special thanks, of course, as always, to Danco Transmissions. Yet again, for my broadcast buddies, my, my partners, Aaron Smith and Chad Brendel. I am Brent Young. This is another great BBP. Presented I'm going to make an executive decision. Yes, ready. Aaron, we're not doing a nightcap tonight. We did one all weekend. Tonight's our day off. Cool. We'll see so you get Tuesday one last. On see ya. Nightcap. See ya.